Hey now, we are getting over and I am the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, here to lead you through these hard times, Dada, with your ultimate preview of WWE Fastlane. That's right, we're just over four weeks out from WrestleMania 37 and WWE has another pay-per-view for you. So the Silver King is back with vintage Chris Benini to break it all down for you. We have an absolutely loaded show today. Not only are we having a main event segment, we're going to talk about everything else that happened on SmackDown and Raw. We will have our ultimate preview for WWE Fastlane, but as promised, we will end the show with our projected WrestleMania 37 cards. That's right. We want to try to get an idea of where we think storylines are headed before the entire WrestleMania 37 card is announced. And to our surprise, two more uh, matches for that show were announced Monday night. So we're going to be doing a little bit less projection, a little bit more early discussion. But yes, this is a loaded show. SmackDown, Raw, Fastlane, Ultimate Preview, and WrestleMania 37 projected cards. So we're not going to waste more time. We're going to get right to it. In order to do that, you guys know, we always have to take care of two pieces of business off the top of the show. First, a reminder to follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast. It's where we tweet about wrestling all week long, where we release every single episode and much more. It's also where you can send in DMs and questions for the show and participate in all of our pre and post-show polls. And you guys know, with Fastlane coming up on Sunday, we will have a pre-show and post-show poll. So you guys can let us know your expectation grade and final show grade. Also, do not forget to head on over to Apple Podcasts and drop a five-star rating and review to let people know how much you love this damn show. Our last review was a month ago at this point, folks. It was basically Valentine's Day. So be ours, uh, you know, hugs and kisses, head over there and give us another review. Look, we have a lot of reviews on Apple Podcasts and I appreciate every single one of you that has dropped a review so far, but we can't go a month without fresh ones. So please head on over there, let people know how much you love the show and don't forget to tell your friends and family, word of mouth is the biggest and easiest way that we can grow. So with that, we're gonna get into today's show. Of course, I am the Silver King, Adam Silverstein. You can follow me on Twitter, at Silverstein Adam. I welcome in our WWE co-host, Chris Vanini, vintage Chris Vanini, that is. You can follow him on Twitter, at Chris Vanini. Chris, so we have a long show today, plenty to talk about. I wanna get right into it, but before I do, I just wanna almost share with the audience my mindset going into the show. Because we talk on the Getting Over Wrestling podcast frequently about how much we love SmackDown and how many weeks Raw is disappointing, or sometimes we dislike it, but we find nuggets of goodness within that dislike to share. And we look at the overall WWE product and say, you know, on average, it's pretty good because SmackDown is so great, usually week to week. But on Monday night, dude, Raw was so bad that I was insulted that WWE as a company thought I or anyone else could like a three-hour show like the one we got. I don't believe in calling for people to lose their jobs. And I did tweet this, so I'm being repetitive if you read my tweet. But whoever was in charge of Raw on Monday should never be allowed to book or write professional wrestling television again. It was legitimately that bad 
Nothing made sense. No one got more over because they participated on the show. It was largely a waste of three hours of watching TV. And that's not going to be the tone and tenor of this entire episode because SmackDown was really good. Our Fastlane Ultimate Preview, there's a lot of stuff we're excited about. There's good stuff to talk about on the road to WrestleMania. So I don't want people, potentially first-time listeners, to hear this opening and think, oh, these are just more guys who hate WWE. That's not the case. Raw on Monday flat out was terrible. It was one of the strangest episodes I can remember. And I mean, we made the point last week that it's it's inexplicable that the people who make Raw and the people who make SmackDown are in the same company. And that was even more... We've been saying it for months. Yeah, clear. but that was even more evident this week. Just, I, I mean, I'm usually in the boat of like, hey, as long as something's happening, I'm cool with it. But man, there was so much happening in this episode that made no sense and for no reasons at all. I, I mean, the reasons was it was pretty clear. We were like, how, you know, we've got our WrestleMania projections coming up later and we were wondering how they were going to get to certain things. Apparently the answer was just, we're just going to cut things off, start new things for no reason at all. And this is where we're going into WrestleMania. Well, that's, that's the problem. It's I'm okay. If I watch a three hour raw and I don't love the storytelling, as long as it's logical, if what I'm seeing on TV treats me like an adult, where it says something happened either last week or earlier in the show, so A happens, therefore B happens, and then C happens, right? It's it's very generic baseline storytelling that cause, effect, and resolution. And on Raw, and, and I'm talking not just on this episode, but the storytelling long-term, they don't have that. There's no logical flow to storylines. There's no logical flow to announcements. Things just happen for no reason. And then you get the resolution of those. And a lot of times they're not satisfying because you're not built to a point where you want to see A or B happen. And if A happens and the face wins, you're really happy. Or if B wins and the heel wins, you're upset, but it makes sense that it happened that way. And the way Raw is operating right now This just is not, it's not logical. It's convoluted. And Chris, it would be one thing if we were talking about a build for Backlash or, you know, Money in the Bank or, and these are still important shows. Every show should be important. Every pay-per-view that WWE builds to should matter. But this is the road to WrestleMania. It's the one time of year where everything should be so well thought out, so planned, that even if something happens that jumbles up your storytelling, someone gets sick, someone's hurt, they're unable to compete, Lacey Evans gets pregnant, that it's a singular thing that you need to fix and you're capable of doing it because so many other things are making sense and everything is so logical that all you need to do is divert one path. I just recently... Uh, last night, or not last night, a couple nights ago, saw Avengers Endgame for like the 10th time or whatever. And you know the scene where like Hulk is talking to like the monk and she talks about moving one of the stones out of the timeline and there's like a divergent timeline. Yes. And then Hulk comes back and he's like, well, yeah, we're going to do that. But as long as we take it and put it back in its place, then everything flows forward right on the timeline. That's exactly what this is. It's, it's, it's a really perfect example of what I'm talking about. Even if something happens like Lacey Evans gets, Lacey Evans gets pregnant, 
you figure out a way to take another storyline and move that chip right into the timeline that is rolling on the road to WrestleMania. And the flow just works just like it's gold. It's not black, you know, like in that scene, it's, it's all going the right way again. And that's the problem right now with WWE. They're pulling these stones out of the timeline and there's just shit flying in every direction. Like I I could not believe how many things happened on Raw and we're going to get to it on the show. I couldn't believe how many things happened where I was like, this doesn't make sense from what was happening either early in the show or last week or the week before that. And it was consistent throughout the entire three hours. Yeah, no, they, they, first of all, Raw does, has had a problem of figuring out what they want to do and going with it. This was the episode where they made their decision. This is what we're going to do at WrestleMania. doesn't matter how the heck this makes any sense. We're going to start here. We're going to start here and take this to WrestleMania. This is like, it was a transition episode. We're just abruptly ending things. We're abruptly starting things. And this is what we're doing going forward. So the build might be good over the next handful of weeks. Now that, now that their direction (laughs) is set, but for this episode, there were just an incredible amount of things did not make any sense. And, and it just felt like they were like, all right, this is where we're going. And doesn't matter if it doesn't make sense. That's a great point. It felt like they had decided on the WrestleMania direction and they just said, Hey, you know what? There's only four weeks left. Screw that. We have a pay-per-view coming up. We got to start these storylines now. And for for a couple of them, we're not even going to start a storyline. We're just going to drop it. Yeah, and, like, it, it, it and was, this is now yeah. happening. And it was weird for a go home show to fast lane, and we're like opening, yes. up the, and we're opening up the show with a WrestleMania announcement. So it's just very strange. Well, let's get into that right now and slide into the main event. Now, you guys know normally what we would do is save anything that has to do with a match at fast lane for the ultimate preview of fast lane, and we do have Drew McIntyre against Sheamus set for fast lane, but. The main event storyline on Raw was so bad and so convoluted that I didn't feel like we could actually save it until the end of the show. I want to talk about it right off the bat. The first thing that we see on Raw Monday night is an official announcement that Bobby Lashley and Drew McIntyre are officially set for a WWE Championship match at WrestleMania 37. So Raw opened, and like I said, they just announced it, the title match for the WWE Championship at WrestleMania. This despite McIntyre having a blow-off match with Sheamus at Fastlane and there being no direct, specific McIntyre-Lashley storyline between them, except for McIntyre's short promo last week where he called him, I think, a coward. And the obvious fact that we know that Lashley cost McIntyre the WWE title because he helped Miz cash in money in the bank. But you have a three-hour television show, literally all the time in the world, to build a storyline or something fresh, connect new dots between McIntyre and Lashley, and announce the match at the 10 p.m. hour as the very last thing on the show. And instead, you make it known via graphic In the first minute of the show, before a promo's cut, before a word is said, before a a punch is thrown, anything. This is the WWE Championship. This is WrestleMania. This is not the United States Championship at Backlash. To me, this was totally lame. Zero point zero. 
Yeah, I, I had I was confused because I had thought uh, or I was under the impression that Seamus Drew McIntyre at Fastlane was either was a number one contender match or was going to be a number one contender match. And then when that popped up, I was like, oh, I guess we're doing this. What is the point of the match at Fastlane then? And we all knew it was going to get here. But like, man, give us something. I, I mean, we just had Miz explaining why Drew doesn't deserve this shot and stuff like this a couple weeks ago. And all he did since then was fight to a draw against Sheamus and now he's in the match. I, it's just like, it, it, you know, we, we want this match. It's going to be a great match. I'm, I'm looking forward to it, but just like, man, put like the minimal amount of effort into booking your freaking WrestleMania WWE championship match. Well, that's the thing. It's like all the storyline had to be, and you don't even need the Sheamus thing to be a number one contendership because really what's Sheamus won recently? Like, I mean, he's, right? a, he's a multi-time champion. Whatever. Sure. He, he's he's the status of a guy who can get in that conversation. But my point is, it doesn't even need to be a number one contendership match. Like, to be fair, Drew McIntyre is the clear number one contender. He was champion basically the entire year. He got screwed out of the title with Money in the Bank. But all he had to say, all that the storyline needed to be on the show, and you could do a lot of the same things they did on the show because you want McIntyre to get over Miz, right? You want him to get revenge and all these things. All he had to do is kind of say, Bobby, he opens the show with a promo. He says, Bobby, I'm going to get through Sheamus on Sunday. And after that, I am fully focused on you and winning back my WWE championship. And you have Sheamus, don't look past me, Lashley come out. And you just do the, you can basically do 80% of the exact same storyline they had on the show. But what you do is at the end of the show, you have McIntyre do the Claymore and we're jumping ahead. We're going to get to all of this. And then say, I'll see you next week. And then and then you're just moving it. And then next week on Raw, in the opening segment, you have them jaw and Adam Pierce walks out and makes the match for WrestleMania. Like, I don't know what the harm would have been in waiting one more week for the most obvious booking just to give us the actual storyline to get there. Yeah, I don't get it because, I mean, they've pushed back the ticket date for WrestleMania. So it's not like there was a deadline coming up. They needed to do something. Did, did they feel like this was going to get more people to buy Fastlane on Peacock? I, I I don't know. It was, it's just, it was incredibly strange uh, why they did this. The timing of this, this whole main event situation has been extremely weird. So let's get into how bad it was. So Lashley and MVP opened the show bragging about, about the almighty era. That was fine. The Miz and John Morrison interrupted. And you're thinking like, why is Miz still involved in this? Like, like you, you've lost to this guy twice. It's over. Move on. Right. But they interrupt. Miz tries to get a WrestleMania match, even though they already announced it was Lashley and McIntyre. That's stupid. Then McIntyre comes out, talks about beating Brock Lesnar in five minutes and said Lashley screwed him out of the title. MVP said McIntyre needs to go through Sheamus to get a shot at Lashley. Like it's literally the words that came out of his mouth. And yeah, that's how it should have been. But they already fucking announced the match. Lashley attacks McIntyre, Miz attacks McIntyre, then Sheamus jumps Lashley on the stage for no reason whatsoever. MVP is basically steaming and screaming at Lashley that he'll get Sheamus tonight. How? No match has been announced. <laughs> so this whole segment, you have anything to say? Uh, one thing is that clearly, this was clearly the Drew McIntyre promo that they're putting in uh, the hype video that's going to be for the match. Some of the things he said, the way he said them, you know, WWE does this where sometimes they have Triple H is really good at this. The promo that they're going to clearly put in the hype video. So it, it was pretty good in that sense. 
it was strange. Um, I wish the Hurt Business tag team was out there. I mean, pretty much ever since last year, he's been doing this thing. The, the, the you know, Shelton Benjamin and, and, and Cedric Alexander are not with them, and right. that comes into play later, uh, which we'll get to. But I, I, I wish Lashley had this, you know, group with him. It makes him look even better if he's got this group of people and, and more. Uh, I, I guess he's kind of the heel here. Uh, I was surprised to not have the Hurt Business group uh, together for that promo. Right. It just it didn't make logical sense. The way that entire thing transpired, the words they said, and the fact that they had already announced the match, none of it worked. So then we come back from commercial, I think, and Sheamus is backstage. And he says he attacked the WWE champion, Bobby Lashley, because he's mad that now he's not going to get Drew McIntyre at 100% at Fastlane. Sheamus was like bumbling his words in this promo. And I totally understood why. I don't blame him one bit because it made no sense whatsoever. So he's trying to figure out, wait, what am I saying? And how does this make any sense while he's actually saying it? Then the heel, because Sheamus is a heel, says he wants to fight Lashley on Raw to prove something to McIntyre. So he's angry that McIntyre is not going to be at 100% for Fastlane. But he's not concerned that he's going to go up against Bobby Lashley and now himself not be at 100% for Fastlane. I mean, this is dog shit logic and booking. MVP later in the same show called out that logical failure (laughs) in a backstage interview. So I got no choice. Zero point zero, Mr. Blutarski. Do you you have anything to say about this? Yeah, the only thing I'll say (laughs) is that like they've made this point around Sheamus and even Drew for the last six months that they just like to fight. So how about Sheamus just says like, I'm just itching for a fight today. And he was the first person that got in my way. So let's have a fight. Like it, like it, instead of this weird mental gymnastics, we're trying to do to explain things, they make things harder than they need to be. And this was a prime example of that. That's exactly right. It was the hugest like, it doesn't it's, matter it's what huge. we do. It doesn't matter. It was the hugest example of, it doesn't matter what we do or how we book it. You're going to watch. I was so insulted. I Like, like the rest of the show, there were many things that were bad. And we'll talk about the things that were bad, the things that were good. There was some good stuff. But this storytelling that we just detailed and broke down, if it's going to be that convoluted and that illogical, then you can't expect me not to criticize it. Like you can't say you're supposed to like this because it's on the road to WrestleMania. No, that was all shit. Everything that we just said to start the show was garbage. Yes. And, and you know, you can talk about whether or not they actually can draw in casual fans. We're going to watch anyway. Yeah, we are. We, we would like it to be good. <laughs> I mean, may, look, maybe I'm not. May, maybe after WrestleMania, I'm going to stop watching Raw. Like, because dude, right now, there are four major American wrestling television shows. And you can put them in whatever order you want, the first three. I don't necessarily care. But they are SmackDown, NXT, and AEW, Dynamite. Those are your three best shows. Raw is so far below those three that any given week you can say AEW has the best show, NXT has the best show, SmackDown has the best show. And we've done it on this podcast. We talk about weeks where SmackDown just rules somehow, despite NXT and AEW being fantastic, sometimes SmackDown is the best show of the week. Raw never has the best show of the week. It never has the third best show of the week. 
And it's just, it's shocking. It's shocking that this product can be from the same company that produces SmackDown and NXT, which are far superior in storytelling, in logic, in in just week-to-week programmatic understanding of what it takes to tell stories and and run a show. Raw does not have that. And I know that it's had some bumps in the road, Keith Lee and Asuka and Lacey Evans among them. But those are not excuses for this storyline. This is all their own doing. And, and they don't deserve to get any type of exemption for how bad this is. I, I don't read the dirt sheet, so I don't know who's writing what show. I know there was a period where Heyman was doing one and not the other, and, and, and Bruce Pritchard was doing one. Do you know, do we know what the situation is between the show, between who's writing both we, shows? We don't. The last creative update that was provided by the dirt sheets was that Bruce Pritchard had been put in charge of both shows. Right. You'll remember he replaced uh, Eric Bischoff as the executive director of SmackDown. And then when Paul Heyman got fired as Raw executive director, the report at that time, and we're, we're going all the way back, folks, to you know late 2020 now. Uh, the report at that time, or even summer 2020, I forget when it happened. But the report was that Bruce Pritchard was completely put in charge of creative. Now that may be true, but I have to believe they still have a head writer that's separate for Raw because one person can't 100% be in charge of both shows like without having like a, a, a primary number two for that second show to make, th- make sure things are going right. The other thing that's crazy is WWE just recently, and maybe this person isn't getting involved in anything recently, but they just recently hired like a very well-known showrunner from Hollywood to ensure that creative like stays on track and all these things are great. Now, maybe she hasn't gotten her hands involved yet and they're waiting until after WrestleMania and she's kind of just evaluating how things are right now. But one thing I've been talking about historically on this podcast, on every podcast I've been on, is that major television shows, uh, Game of Thrones, 24, any sh- Mad Men, any show that you've ever loved, they have showrunners. And those people are not just in charge of creative and making sure that things are done on time and people are in the right places at the right times, but they're in charge of making sure that the show makes logistical sense, that there's not creative black holes between why one character is doing this when they did this previously. And WWE has needed that forever. SmackDown, whether they have that or not, it's running just fine. Raw Raw is a pitiful excuse for a storyline-driven television show. And if you're going to say this is sports entertainment and not professional wrestling, it needs to be better. Like, it's so obvious that Daniel Bryan and Paul Heyman, like, have their hands involved with SmackDown. Pretty much, pretty much anything Dana Bryan does, pretty much anything Paul Heyman does, especially talking smack. And it's just like, that's, it's such quality wrestling television when those guys are involved. And um, it, it's just, it's very absent from Raw. And maybe that's somewhat of what it is. Maybe it's the fact that, hey, Bruce is in charge of that show, but Heyman is largely in control of the Roman storyline and Daniel Bryan's on the writing team. And you put those three things together and you have a much stronger show, whereas on a three-hour Raw, without those additional pieces, you're maybe leaving Bruce to his own devices. And that could be the answer for every. I mean, you know, the women's storyline on SmackDown sucks, Mm -hmm. and that doesn't involve those guys. So maybe that's an example of what's going on. But let's finish this. we got a lot more show left. We've spent a lot of time really shitting on this main storyline from Raw. McIntyre defeated The Miz by hitting a Claymore. 
and then submitting him with the Hurt Lock. I thought that was a really cool, smart finish, but they probably should have saved that entire thing for next week. Him getting the revenge on Miz and using the Hurt Lock to kind of show up Bobby Lashley. McIntyre cut a promo before the Raw main event about scouting Lashley and Sheamus in that match. Then you got Lashley and Sheamus in the final match of the show. These guys did get the opportunity to go nearly 20 minutes. Uh, Lashley leapfrogged Sheamus and hit a delayed vertical suplex. Sheamus went on a huge run and Lashley just kicked out at one. Then he got a few more near falls. Lashley dodged a bro kick and hit a flatliner. Sheamus countered a spear with a V trigger and hit white noise for a flat two count. Lashley then countered the bro kick with a spear for the win. Lashley added the hurt lock after. McIntyre entered the ring. Lashley turned his head and ate a claymore to end the show. It was a little sloppy. It goes back to what I was saying before that you have that big moment. Then you maybe have Lashley attack McIntyre at Fastlane. And then you announce your WrestleMania match next week on Raw. That is how a normal person or a normal wrestling booker would tell a storyline. But this was a good, meaty match, you know? He don't want no water. He don't want no bread. All he wants is meat. And it was a strong Raw main event. I'm not sure I get the logic of them having Lashley beat Sheamus when McIntyre is about to face him six days later and... You kind of want McIntyre to get a big win over Sheamus. If it shows that Lashley can do it, well, McIntyre better, or it's going to look a lot less impressive. So I didn't get the logic of this entire thing, but I did think the match was very good. Yeah, match was good. It was, Sheamus was laying it in there on, on Lashley with a lot of those forearms and stuff like that. It was a, it was a pretty brutal match. Um, and yeah, it, the, the end what it was, what it was, it was just strange because it was like, why am I looking forward to McIntyre or Sheamus? Like, this the go home for Fastlane is the main event for WrestleMania. It was just that's again. I don't know why they didn't do this a week later. I I don't know if they think this was going to boost sales for for Peacock. It's again with the ticket sales being delayed. I don't understand why this happened this week. But the match itself, it was good. It was physical. It was big meaty men slapping meat, and we always like that. It it was a great match. Like there were three really good matches on this show. And they deserve credit for having a good match, but it doesn't save everything else we talked about leading up to it. And we will talk more about Drew McIntyre and Sheamus in our WWE Fastlane Ultimate Preview that is coming at the end of the show. We timestamp everything so you can go and find that whenever you want. Second part of our main event here, some news happened uh, this past week with Andrade, the former Andrade Cien Almas, for those who are NXT fans, reportedly asking for and being denied his release from WWE. Andrade hasn't wrestled since October. Now, he initially went away from television for eye surgery. But I think everyone expected him to be back by now, especially, but really the month of the Royal Rumble, either in January before the Rumble or at the Rumble as a surprise entrance. There's some guys that get frustrated with WWE creative and ask for their release and it's whatever. Someone like an EC3, for an example. Like everyone made a big deal about getting him out of WWE and what's this guy really done. But with Andrade, it is inexcusable how WWE has mishandled him and now misused him, not figured out that he is capable of being a strong, consistent guy on television every week and a main event talent. Now, maybe there's something that factors in here with they had Andrade and Zelina and... They pulled Zelina and then they fired Zelina. So now they don't know what to do with Andrade without her. But man, that's how it was in NXT. And when they got Zelina with him and they got them rolling together, they were unstoppable. 
you saw it on the main roster. Everyone thought this guy had a chance to, if not be the next Eddie Guerrero, which I think would be a, would have been a stretch and is not really a, an appropriate comparison. The guy that could have been what Alberto Del Rio was supposed to be for WWE. But it just never happened. Now, I have no idea what happens next, whether they put him on TV or he sits at home for the duration of his contract. He's dating Charlotte Flair, so obviously they want to keep her happy, which you would think might have led to him getting released. But this entire situation is really unfortunate. And really, for WWE fans, it sucks because it seems like, whether it's now or whether it's later, Andrade won't be back on WWE TV for a long time. I mean, not only is are Charlotte and Andrade uh, dating, they're uh, they're engaged, uh, actually. Right. So it, it's 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 really close. Yeah, it's um, I don't know. I, I mean, him the way they used him during the pandemic, there was some really bright spots when Zelina kind of had her faction going, and there were some some low spots where they kept losing tag matches or he kept losing. Uh, U.S. title matches. I wanted to see him and Drew at a pay-per-view uh, main event. Um, of course. One of these times. So When they took the U.S. title off him, yeah, I right, thought they right. were elevating if, him to main event. Yeah, I, I thought it would have been good one or two month thing when there was nothing going on, but uh didn't work. I mean, obviously, we don't know how the, the eye surgery situation went, but you know, if, the, if this is the case, it's, uh, it's unfortunate. And it's also, again, understandable why WWE isn't all isn't letting people out of their contracts, uh, given how many people are making their way over to AEW, some with Vince's blessing, some not. Uh, so I, I guess we'll see. I mean, to, to me, he was never the Eddie Guerrero type or maybe even the Del Rio. Cause he just, he didn't have the, the, uh, he doesn't speak as well. The, he doesn't speak as well. The, the no. charisma in that sense was not there, but he was, I loved him with Selena. I loved their faction that they had, uh, and we'll see. It's always again. It's all, he's engaged to Charlotte Flair, so these things always get get weird. You know, when Zelina gets fired and she's with uh, Alistair Black, so the relationship part of it makes these especially awkward. Yeah, it's a big missed opportunity. And and look, let's talk about the other Mexican stars. Uh, Umberto Carrillo on Raw doing nothing. I mean, literally doing nothing. Angel Garza, you occasionally see him. They tried to repackage him, and then they just stopped putting him on TV the last couple of weeks. So. There's a problem um, with Mexican talent on Raw right now, especially when all three of these guys are extremely talented in the ring. And Angel Garza has charisma and has presence. And this guy can't even get on screen now. It is the road to WrestleMania. And granted, they don't have a storyline involving him. So if you're going to keep him off TV for another month or two, like I get that. That's yeah. okay. But once WrestleMania is over, you got to inject this guy into storylines. He should be, you know, going after a mid-card title or tagging with his cousin. Carrillo and, and allow Carrillo to turn heel or, or, or turn Garza face. And, you know, you can split them up down the line if you want. Like, there's a million things you could do with these guys and nothing's happening. So it's disappointing not to see them. It's disappointing not to see Andrade. And it's disappointing not to see Aleister Black. Now, there are some rumblings that Black may be coming back and they've been waiting to reintroduce him with a storyline, possibly after WrestleMania. But, I mean, there's no proof of that. And it's pretty disappointing. I mean, at, at this point... There's no, like you just said, at this point in the calendar, there's no need to bring somebody back right now. Right. Uh, which is also why it's strange that they're hyping Rhea Ripley and not, I assume, not going to bring her back until after WrestleMania, maybe, or maybe it's after Fastlane. It, it's it's weird. It's, it's a it's weird really time weird. to introduce somebody right now. So hopefully they have plans for a lot of these people as soon as WrestleMania is over. 
Absolutely. Now we have a lot of show left. We're going to talk about everything else that happened on SmackDown and Raw that does not factor into Fastlane before we get into our WWE Fastlane Ultimate Preview and our projected WrestleMania 37 card. But before we get to that, I need to tell you all about Manscaped. Support for the Getting Over Wrestling podcast is indeed brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technological developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide, and we have an exclusive offer for you, our listeners here. 20% off plus free shipping with the code G-O-MAN, as in getting over man, G-O-MAN, at manscaped.com. You know, this is a wrestling podcast, and we're always talking about big, meaty men slapping meat. Put your meat on my meat, man. Gently now. Manscaped is all about protecting men's meat. They hooked Chris and I up with a bunch of tools and items from their perfect package, 3.0 kit. And I'm telling you, from a lifetime of trimming below the belt, I've legitimately never used something so perfectly designed to get the job done. This perfect package 3.0 from Manscaped includes the best ball hair trimmer ever, the Lawnmower 3.0. This third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to advanced skin safe technology. I definitely feel more confidence shaving the boys with this. And as a guy who is always trimming his facial hair, it's great to have a separate trimmer made specifically for that job. You just can't use the same trimmer for both. It is nasty. Also in the perfect package 3.0 are some products to keep your balls dry and smelling fresh. Plus a couple of free gifts, including a pair of high performance Manscaped boxer briefs that I know you love, Chris. Yeah, so I, I got the package uh, a couple of days ago, and honestly, those are the most comfortable fitting boxers I've ever seen. I'm, I'm actually, I think I'm going to take advantage of this deal we have here and perhaps get a couple more pairs. Uh, we we got the boxes are great. The ball deodorant is uh, uh, is nice a nice thing to put on after the shower. It's a lot of stuff, and it is. It, and and you know we're constantly watching big clean shaven. Uh, meaty men on television and you're wondering how do they stay uh how do they keep it trimmed and i think this is a good way to do it it is as you would say a big package of materials plus on top of all of that you get a travel shed bag for all of your goodies look folks trim your junk get 20 percent off and free shipping with the code goman at manscaped.com each purchase directly supports the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast, and that is why we are giving you 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Just use code GOMAN. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job. With Manscaped, your balls will thank you. So with that, we're going to jump into everything else that went down on SmackDown and Raw, beginning with the Raw Tag Team Championships being on the line, her business defending the titles against New Day. New Day and Riddle had a fun interaction in gorilla position again. They're legitimately hysterical together, not just on screen. Yeah. The stuff they did on social media last week, I tweeted it. It was hysterical. Uh, good action throughout the match. Shelton Benjamin threw Kofi Kingston into and over the steel steps so hard that they actually shifted. Kofi, much later, hit a cool springboard hurricanrana and an SOS for a pair of near falls. Benjamin hopped to the top rope for a sick toss suplex. 
Woods hit Alexander with a climbing tornado DDT outside. Kofi then hit Trouble in Paradise. And Woods came back with the flying elbow. And I thought that was the end of the match. because That's like a double finisher. Uh, instead, Kofi flies out of the ring, takes out Alexander. They don't pin Benjamin. Kingston comes back with Daybreak for the 1-2-3 as New Day becomes the 11-time tag team champions. So they changed the tag team titles just four weeks before WrestleMania, despite Lashley, a member of the Hurt Business, being the WWE champion and the faction finally looking exceptionally strong. Like It's one thing if Lashley has the US title. Now he has the WWE championship. And you're like, well, why aren't they going to want to keep all these guys extremely strong as a faction going into WrestleMania? We can talk about what happened after the match in a bit, but the match was great. Changing the titles, I thought, was a massive misstep. The last two New Day title reigns, changing them on the SmackDown uh, before the dra- on the draft show, and then changing them here, it they both seem completely forced. And the WrestleMania match, to me, dude, it probably should have been Hurt Business versus New Day. Instead, that's now over, and we're going in a different direction. So did we know this tag title match was coming? Was it announced yes. previously? Yes, it was. Okay, it I, was. I, I may have missed that. But so, you know, I feel like this is a spot where if if this was Charlotte, she would get a lot of crap for getting a, a title put on her Absolutely. for no reason, right, right just to go into a, a championship feud of some kind. Hey, it literally else. it literally happened yes. what, two years ago, right? Yeah, so like 11-time champs for New Day already is a lot. And some of these are either called them transitional reigns or just randomly getting it so because WWE wants them to do something else. So that was kind of like, it, it was tough. And, you know, I liked, like I mentioned at the beginning, I liked seeing the whole Hurt Business together. They're all in gold. It raises Lashley's profile. Right. It also didn't help that MVP didn't appear to have any sort of reaction to them losing the tag belts because they go back to Lashley and MVP later in the show and MVP doesn't say anything about it. So They're like, right. They, they could have been, they could have been in the background there with their heads down. Yeah. Upset. Like MVP, I'll talk to you guys later. I got to deal with the champ. Like, yeah, there's it, a million things they could have done. It, it feels like they are de-emphasizing the hurt business and emphasizing Lashley. And I just feel like they don't need to do that. Of course it, not. It feels like, they realize, crap, we have nothing to do with AJ Styles for WrestleMania. Uh, let's let's give him a tag belt because he hasn't had that yet. And because because he's a heel, we got to put it on a face. Let's give it back to New Day because there aren't really many other tag teams <laughs> that could hold the belt right now. So just kind of kind of just eh, kind of eh, whatever. And, and one more thing. Uh, this is Kofi Kingston's 13th individual tag title reign. Crazy. Uh, WWE tweeted out the stat. Uh, he's one behind Edge. For the most ever. So congrats to Kofi on that. Uh, love New Day and everything, but just this was kind of, yeah. Yeah, uh, Kofi should really be, by the way, a two-time Hall of Famer. Like when all is said and done, I would put him in with New Day and I'd put him in individually as well because he his career is just absolutely insane. So yeah, this was a lot, la- like the New Day winning the tag team titles should never be lackluster. But the last two times it's happened, it's been completely lackluster. So they're celebrating. And then AJ Styles' music hits. And as soon as his music hit, like you knew, you knew what the storyline was. He says it's in his bucket list to win the tag team championship because it's one of the few things he hasn't done in WWE. He has nothing to do for WrestleMania. So despite AJ Styles and Omos never having a match together and Omos 
never having a match, period. They want a title shot and they want it at WrestleMania. Even if you're going in this direction, there's no reason to rush this four weeks out. Looking back, Styles should be in a United States championship match against Riddle. We know they can tear the house down. Or they should have at least spent a week or two turning this match into reality. Have them celebrate. Styles and Omas show up. Omas chokeslams Woods again. Or pulls him back outside of the ring. Or costs them the title. And then you have them win the titles at Fastlane in a rematch. And then you have a reason for them to fight Omas and AJ Styles. But they didn't do any of it. They literally just came out and made a challenge. Now, I'm not saying that a person can't have their first match at WrestleMania. Ronda Rousey had her first match at WrestleMania. Fandango had his first match at WrestleMania. Big E, uh, Big e had his first match in a tag team title match at WrestleMania 29. Big E had his first match. Nicholas had his first match in a tag team title match with Braun Strowman. It, so these things can happen. That is not the offensive part to me. The offensive part to me is that there was, I, and I know Omas pulled Xavier Woods out of the ring a couple of weeks ago, so you can say there's a connection, but there was no storyline development to announcing a tag team title match at WrestleMania. So I'm running out of 0.0, market zero drops, so we'll go back to an old standby. Ask Fitz. <laughs> great idea. No, it wasn't a great idea. Yeah, I don't get... You know, after all this talk between Herpesis and Retribution and New Day about deserving title shots and, and, and winning and losing and all this stuff, I'm just, it's weird that the New Day would just be like, all right, fine. You want a title match at WrestleMania? You got it. Like, I feel like they should be above that. The, the reasoning from AJ is, hey, I want to be a Grand Slam champion, so I want the tag belts. It's, it's all just really flimsy, and I'd like to see all of them doing something better because I think they're all capable of it. WrestleMania is supposed to be a culmination. Culmination. I, I keep forgetting why I say that. Is that American Pie? I don't know why I keep saying that. But <laughs> sure. it's, a, it's from a movie. That's why it's yeah, doing yeah, yeah. But it's supposed to be a culmination of maybe not a year's worth of storylines, but multiple months. Three, four months of developed storylines, the Royal Rumble winners, uh, major matches featuring either celebrities or, or big names that are coming back. And this WrestleMania, it just feels like it's SummerSlam. Like, it just feels like things are being thrown together and, eh, shrug, we got a title match on the show. It, it also highlights that there are so many titles and it feels like they a lot of these just have to be thrown together. I mean, they shouldn't. They, they don't they, have to. They be. don't have to be, but it feels like, oh, we don't have a, well, what are we going to do for our Raw tag match? Uh, let's just do this. And, and, and the, the time and effort is not put in. And you realize it devalues all the belts and the fact that you have so many belts when you have matchups that are just made on a whim because somebody asked for it. And it's not to say that AJ Styles and Omos haven't been building towards this because they somewhat have. Like, it's been pretty clear that they were going to team up at some point. But there's been no genesis to this happening. Omos powerbombing someone after they did AJ Styles wrong in a match. Uh, maybe you have Kofi versus AJ, right? Next week or something like yeah. that. And and Kofi's about to win. Omos kills Kofi, beats the shit out of both guys. And now you're like, oh shit, Omos can go. They make a challenge for the tag team titles. And then the next week, Adam Pierce accepts it. Like, this is all you have to do. A little bit of storytelling. And I, I have a feeling, and we'll talk about it in a minute, that we may be able to give them a little bit of an excuse for this. But regardless of any of that, 
It's bad and it's rushed. And this is WrestleMania. It's one thing if you rush for a B-level pay-per-view. It's another thing when you rush for WrestleMania. It's apparent and it's insulting to your fans because this is your biggest show of the year. You're asking people normally back in the day to spend $60, $70 on WrestleMania. These days, you're asking them to completely change service providers and make the effort to go over to Peacock to watch this show. And you're not really giving people a lot of good reasons to go over there because your your TV storylines on Raw largely suck. But here, wait, wait, real quick, here's what I hope they don't do moving forward, or just what I hope they do do with this going forward. Don't put Omas in a match. Keep him a mystery because I know the way they do these things. They have singles matches back and forth, leading into a tag title match, and it takes away all the interest of seeing these people get together in the ring. Keep, don't put. Omas in a match of any kind into wrestling mania. Keep him a secret. Keep him something like, oh, I'm curious how this is going to go. Right. That, you got to keep some bit of interest in this. And I keeping that mystery there, I think it would be a good way to do it. Absolutely. Don't, do, now, don't, don't give that away. Don't give that away yet. Now, there was another title match on the show, the United States Championship, Riddle against Mustafa Ali. Ali was tearing down Retribution backstage when Riddle rolled through on his scooter, which was pretty funny. Ali also caught, cut another great social media promo that you need to go see. And again, I was disappointed they didn't even air a second of it on TV. Retribution joined Ali at ringside, which was intriguing. The fact that they were all there, which had not been the case previously. Ali hit a great swinging neckbreaker off the ring apron onto the floor. It was really, really cool. Then a rolling neckbreaker in the ring. Riddle came back with his entire moveset and a fisherman suplex bomb, or buster actually is what it was. Uh, T-Bar then tried to distract the referee as Riddle rolled up Ali. Ali reversed it and was going to pin Riddle, but the referee was still distracted. Riddle picked up Ali for Bro Derek and the win. Ali was incensed. He was yelling at T-Bar. I actually thought it was a good match and a solid way to excuse the loss. I do wonder what happens here on social media. They made a challenge. Ali made a challenge for Fastlane. I don't know if that's going to happen at Fastlane. Maybe at the end of this quick conversation, we can discuss what we would expect to happen on that show. Um, but I thought it was a good match and pretty decent storytelling. Yeah, I, I honestly, I had to look up during Raw or before Raw, I was going through my uh, WrestleMania projections and I had to figure out, I had to look up who was the, the U.S. title uh, champion. I I'd completely forgotten. It's been such a weird handful of weeks for that belt. Uh, match was good. You knew it would be good. Uh, I, I, I actually do like Riddle with New Day. You mentioned it earlier. I you know me, I'm not a big riddle guy with some of the him playing dumb stuff, but it played off well with New Day. Not I, I'm not sure how you can't really go anywhere with it, but Riddle looked good on Monday. And, and, and there are a lot of times when I haven't thought that. The last two weeks have been a great presentation for Riddle. And yeah, when he's dumb, like purposely dumb, it's stupid. But when he is airheaded, I guess. And, you know, California dude, you know, bro, like that general gimmick that he has, it works. And that worked in a major way. I got a DM slide from Eldred Ryan at Acme Tunes. He said they also dropped the Ali Kingston storyline, which would have been perfect for Mania. Did they ever have a singles match? So here's what I think happened. And this is what I was talking about earlier when I said we are allowed to criticize WWE for a lot of stuff. Um, some of the women's storytelling, the main event storytelling, certainly. But I think I want to give them a little bit of a break in terms of the tag team and United States Championship storytelling. Because what seems to have happened here is that Riddle was set for a program with Keith Lee. Now, I don't know if that program would have happened at WrestleMania or if that program 
was just for Fastlane and like almost an interim feud. But obviously Keith Lee got pulled from the triple threat. Then he was unable to show up on Raw afterward where I think the expectation was maybe they would do a quick change or something like that. And it seems like they were planning to go with an Ali-Kofi Kingston feud for WrestleMania, which would have taken care of New Day. New Day basically never, never getting the titles and Kingston and Ali going head to head. And I think what would have made a lot of sense and the direction that we were heading was for Riddle to go up against AJ Styles one-on-one for the United States Championship. And that kind of explains why these two storylines have kind of been transposed. Now, what would Hurt Business have done? Who would they have fought? I don't have an answer for that. Maybe Braun Strowman would have found a partner or they would have gone in a different direction with someone else. I don't necessarily know the answer to that. And excuse my dog for shaking himself and now scratching with his collar on and and making a lot of noise here. Um, But I do want to give them an excuse because I think that Keith Lee being out has really messed up the storytelling for the mid-card feud and the tag team feud. And because of that, I think they're kind of trying to make the best of a bad situation. Clearly, Riddle versus AJ Styles is a better United States Championship match. Clearly, Kofi Kingston versus Mustafa Ali, the storyline they were in the middle of building, is a better storyline than New Day against AJ Styles and Omas. And it seems to me like they were going in those directions. So I'm going to kind of back off and say, you know what? Sometimes shit happens. That's fair. I I mean, a lot of this is a puzzle, but I think that also falls on them for, you know, you say... Who would the hurt, who would her business have fought? Well, that's on WWE for not having any other, any other tag teams. Agreed, uh, but potentially in, someone in could have been built up by now. No, I, I, but just for months now, there have been like three or four tag teams on the whole roster between right. two shows that have been something. So it's just like this is why it's important to build up people in the background. Sure, I mean it could have been a lucha house party. It could have been a, a tag team of two singles they throw together. Braun Strowman could have gotten a partner. Like, I think that, I think that is kind of how they were going to do this entire thing. And it just all fell apart because one piece changed and they had to book on the fly. So I'm going to give the raw mid card a little bit of a break, but that doesn't excuse some of the other booking and storytelling. And it certainly doesn't excuse the fact that even if you want to have a, a Styles Omos against New Day match, you book it better. Tell a story. Right. Don't just say, yeah, okay, let's yeah. have a match. So that it doesn't excuse some of that, but it does excuse some of the rush nature of it, I guess. Uh, now let's move over to kind of SmackDown, talk about some things that happened there. Sami Zayn and his film crew stopped Kevin Owens backstage, begging him to participate and help expose WWE. Owens said he would consider it. WWE's done a good job of keeping these guys apart the last couple of years throughout their entire careers. They've been rivals, but I'll say a quick renewed rivalry that results in a WrestleMania match could be fantastic. Obviously, these guys are both going to need something to do on the show. Yeah, nope, yep, makes sense. Okay, Uh, so Seth Rollins said he's done with Cesaro uh, when they were backstage, claiming he's the biggest waste of potential in WWE, and Rollins doesn't understand why people keep talking about Cesaro. Rollins' interest was then piqued when Kayla Braxton told him Cesaro was going to be fighting Murphy in a rematch. So we got Cesaro and Murphy, that was two segments later, Murphy hit Cesaro with a sick knee and got more offense than last week, but Cesaro eventually hit a superplex off the ring apron and swung Murphy when Rollins attacked for the disqualification. He hit two stomps while screaming at Cesaro that he'll never be on his level. Rollins was set to hit a third stomp when Cesaro, with Cesaro's neck in a chair when Jamie Noble ran in and intercepted him, which was interesting, by the way, when you think about to J&J security, yeah. Jamie Noble's the one yeah. uh, breaking him up. 
Uh, when, when Rollins then walked through gorilla position, Shinsuke Nakamura stared him down, which I thought was interesting. Uh, it was a pretty hot segment with some good heel heat for Rollins and a lot of storyline jam-packed into a short stack segment. It was weird that Murphy didn't stick around afterward and kind of help Rollins or be in his corner or something like that. But I loved this entire thing. I, to me, it seems like we're going to get Rollins against Nakamura on an upcoming SmackDown and Rollins Cesaro at WrestleMania. I'm all in for this. Yeah, and the entire story is basically now Cesaro and his potential. Can he live up to his potential? Why hasn't he yet? And and, and this is this is 100% Rollins putting Cesaro over and building him yeah. up, and it's yep. great. And like again, we several weeks ago we talked about it, but SmackDown does such a good job of just like taking a guy and be like, all right, let's make this guy into a big deal. And over a couple of weeks, they do it. They did it with Jey Uso. They did it with Nakamura. They did it with Drew Gulak. I mean, they did it with just anybody. And now they're doing it with Cesaro. And it's just, it's so simple. Like, it's just so, such simple, fundamental storytelling. And and it works. And it makes you root for Cesaro. And it makes you hope he can reach his potential because Seth Rollins is being a dick. And it's just like, this is great. Like, it's okay that Seth Rollins isn't involved in something bigger. You know, there, there's a lot of stuff going on on SmackDown, and this is a great spot for him to come back, build up another guy. And and th- I mean, this is a lot like what Seth did last year, honestly, with, with the it Kevin is. Owens, with the it's Kevin exactly Owens the stuff. Same. Yeah. And the idea that I'm Mr. WrestleMania and, and you always fail at WrestleMania. Now it's Seth saying Cesaro will never get on his level. And that Seth Rollins, Kevin Owens feud last year was great. The match was great. And I think we're going to get the same thing here. Simple, good, strong, impactful storytelling. This thing is nailing it in every possible way. The the intelligence of them having Nakamura backstage angry at Rollins, because even though he's not partners with Cesaro anymore, it's still his friend. And Nakamura, we've been wondering kind of what's he going to be doing, right? Because it looked like they were building him up in that gauntlet match. But you don't necessarily need to have something for everyone at WrestleMania, even though we want Nakamura on the card. You have these guys have a really sick match in a week or two on SmackDown and it gets the job done for him, you know, at least in the interim. So I just love this entire thing. Moving on, uh, Naomi and Lana against Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke from Raw women's tag team match. Lana fell over during her entrance slide trying to act like Naomi. To her credit, I will say Lana has gotten marginally better in the ring. (laughs) Now, she's clearly working at it and she's still not believable as a wrestler. But from now to a year ago, she is way better than she was before. Mm -hmm. So she does deserve some credit there. Asuka came out midway through the match. So Baszler attacked her. Commentary didn't explain why Asuka came out. uh, But the answer is she couldn't wait to get her hands on Baszler, right? After she got injured a couple weeks ago. But they didn't tell us that. So it's just like, why is Asuka's music hitting in the middle of another women's match? It was distracting. And honestly, it was unfair to the the other women. Uh, Asuka kicked Baszler. Then they got separated. The finish was botched as... On TV, for the viewer, we never saw Rose tag Dana Brooke, who was supposed to be the legal woman. Uh, So Dana Brooke just enters the ring, hits a swinging neckbreaker on Lana, and gets the win. The segment of TV was all over the place, but I will say, the sexy muscle friends won. That's what we wanted. It's what we've been talking about. So at least they got the win, and now they seem to be that next tag team on the Raw side. Yeah, the, the end result was good. It was where it needed to be. I'm glad that they went forward with that finally Uh, to nitpick a few things. I don't understand why these, I mean, I guess uh, these two teams were hanging out backstage right before their match when R-Truth came over and did a 
Austin. Yeah, but they're both faces. Jokes. I, I guess that's the reason is that they're faces. So I, as I kind of thought about it more, it's fine. But it was just a, it, it, you don't see that often, like right before a match when they're hanging out with each other. The other thing was um, you mentioned commentary, not you know why is Oscar here and, and that kind of things. I think Oscar should have just either music hits and she runs out, or she just attacks Baszler from behind. It was a yes. Little, it was weird that she came out and was like doing the dance and everything like in the middle of a match. And I was like, is she pissed off or is she not? And then she drops it and, and then we go. So it got there, but it was just like a weird way to start it off. Choke Baszler over the guardrail or jump up onto the guardrail, run and drop kick her in her seat and start attacking her. Yes, there's a million different, you don't have to use her entrance music to bring her out if the whole point is that she wants Baszler. But again, they didn't even tell us that story. So it was just bad. So later in the match, we got, or later on the show, I should say, we got Asuka against Baszler in a non-title match. And the booking of that made sense, considering Asuka wanted retribution. No pun intended. Asuka attacked Baszler and Jax before the bell. Asuka and Baszler countered submissions until Asuka flipped over Baszler to pin her just like 100 women have. Basically, every single time Shayna Baszler gets beaten, it's from the same counter of the Kirifuda clutch. At some point, this submission magician, this technical wizard, this MMA superstar should be able to get out of that and kick out of it or counter it or something, right? So it's just ridiculous that that's the booking. Um, Baszler should also never lose that easily. I don't care if it's someone trying to get revenge here. But despite that being really, really bad, everything else that happened was awesome. Baszler kept the chokehold on Asuka and tried to kick her again. Asuka blocked it, then went absolutely insane on Baszler. She kicked the hell out of her face a dozen times, drove her head first into the bottom turnbuckle, took the padding off it and forced her to choke on that metal circle that you see and then tried to stomp her head into it to like break her jaw or something, if not for the referee stopping her. Commentary should have sold this as more brutal because it really didn't, but it was great to see Asuka get super aggressive like that. They should have gone with this as a DQ finish for the match within the match, all of this happening, Asuka getting doing this, forcing a DQ, then they have another match next week. But it was still some of the most sensical booking on Raw. Asuka got her win and was relentless trying to get over on this woman who basically took her out of action for a few weeks. So you can hate the match, but I love the post-match. This was a strong, strong thumbs up for me. Yeah, no, it it was the best women's segment they've done in weeks. uh, Yeah. uh, Honestly, it was was great. This is the, the, the brutal Asuka we love. Uh, you know, you talk about the end of the match. It was it was great when Bailey did it. I think it was Bailey did it that first time and, and escaped Shayna. But now that they've done it a million times since, it's oh no, it happens in NXT. Like Ember that's Moon what I'm saying in NXT. Ender with it, yeah. yeah. I, I thought maybe it was Ember Moon. I thought it was Bailey. I don't know, but but yeah. Um, so yeah, this this was great. You know, this is an example of and WWE is often good at this. Like a real life thing happens or an unexpected thing happens, and then they lean into it when they come back. Like Asuka is all of a sudden super pissed at that, at that stiff kick that Shayna gave her a couple of weeks back. And now we got some heat, you know, like yeah. it's, it's great. They, they, they may have stumbled into something really good here, but you have some heat for a match. that's not going to happen at WrestleMania, which is four weeks away. And she still doesn't have an opponent. Well, like, that's, that- that's, another, I mean, that's <laughs> another thing. I wouldn't be, you know, 
do, do you do you take the tag belts off and do something? No, you can't I, do I, another title change at this point. Like, but the problem is what they currently have planned is not great either. I, I, I know that, I know. that the, it's not like there's some great thing that they would have to pull Oscar Charlotte, I guess. But honestly, well, that's I, the I, thing. I'd but that's the I'd thing. I'd rather see Oscar. I'd rather see Oscar Shannon now. That's the thing, though. There was no so Charlotte did that whole thing last week about people needing to prove themselves to her. No follow up this week. Peyton Royce cuts that great promo on Raw Talk. No screen time on Raw this week. So it's like, now, now if that's just because it's Fastlane and they're going to put this all together next week on Raw, okay, maybe, right? Like, maybe I'll be okay with that. But man, I mean, to not follow up on that, you have a three-hour show. You have all the time in the world to tell stories and they just can't seem to do it. There was another Rhea Ripley coming soon package and you mentioned it earlier. It was, I think, slightly different from the others. But again, not a vignette, nothing about her personality, nothing about her character, nothing about her really talking. I have a f- really strange feeling, and we've been saying it. I, my expectation was she would debut after WrestleMania because why would you debut someone in between, right? But I'm kind of thinking she debuts on Monday now. I, I, I'm I'm thinking that now too because there's still there's st- we've had like five, four or five weeks of these promos. We still got another four weeks to go. Are they really going to do this for? Four more weeks, for two, right? For two months, just for a post-WrestleMania debut, when the whole point of post-WrestleMania debuts is a surprise. So, yeah, I'm wondering if we get her now after Fastlane, and we'll get to our WrestleMania projections later, but but I, I, I've been thinking since I started this so long ago that she would come up before WrestleMania. I'm surprised it's taken this long, Man. but I, I still think they still think they will. All they had to do was bring her up the night after the Royal Rumble. Mm-hmm. That's it. You bring her up. You have a couple matches. You do a couple weeks of these video packages to like teach people about her, tell her who she is, tell them who she is. You know, you really build her up as a big deal. You you have her sporadically on TV, and then starting like mid February, you start a road, road to WrestleMania for her. Like it's it's not that hard. Or late February, I should say, you start a road to WrestleMania. It's it's man, it's just annoying. Uh, we got Damian Priest and Bad Bunny. They ran into the Miz and Morrison backstage. Miz ran his mouth as usual. Priest stepped up to him. And the rivalry got renewed, which obviously we've been waiting to happen for WrestleMania. Then we had R-Truth, who was dressed up like Stone Cold Steve Austin all night. By the way, happy 316 day. This is being taped on March 16th. Uh, He was dressed like Stone Cold all night. He got caught trying to sneak up behind Bad Bunny. Uh, So he started giving him all the Stone Cold merchandise that he had. Beer, uh, a plush toy, a lunchbox, the the Stone Cold WWE Championship, which, by the way, is one of the coolest... um, things that they've actually done, like when they had a personal championship for someone on TV. They exchange gifts and Bad Bunny says, hey, what do you want? Like, why are you doing all this? And our truth wants his baby back. He wants the 24-7 title. So Bad Bunny literally just took the title off his shoulder and gave it back to our truth Now, normally I'd get mad about this, except the 24-7 title is so worthless. It is meaningless it has no cachet. It is a total piece of garbage. So you know what? I don't care. Fine. Like, I'm not going to give it a 0.0. Yeah, it's stupid, but it's a meaningless title. Why are we going to get upset about this? So first of all, it's been pretty amazing that WWE has had Bad Bunny's services for such a long period of time here, including the night after the Grammys. Uh, so good on them for that. I think they've got a lot of, uh, a lot of out of that. 
I'm confused as to why this happened. I, I first I was like, is Bad Bunny gonna be at WrestleMania? Now maybe he's not. Now maybe they're, and so he has to give the title away. I, I'm of I'm of mixed feelings on this. Yes, the twenty four seven title meant nothing, but I thought this was an op. This was like the opportunity to make it something by having a mega musical star carry this thing around and treat it like a big deal. It was becoming a big deal. And so for him to give it away sucked. And, but I think even more than that, I think the fact that it went back to our truth is been, was frustrating because it's, they got to do something else with the belt. It's been, not going to, it's been our truth for like a year. Like there's so many opportunities and things they could do with this. There's that like iron metal heavyweight thing in, in, um, in, in DDT wrestling, uh, Japanese wrestling, where like, I think the Young Bucks book has recently held the title. Like, there's like fun things you can do with stuff like that, and they just don't do it. And instead, it's R Truth doing the same thing over and over and over. So to see him get the belt back and realize we're going to go back into what we were doing instead of something more interesting was a letdown. Is it the biggest deal in the world? No, but it was just a, it, it was disappointing. Yeah, I mean, I'll agree. It was disappointing. And I don't know why you wouldn't have Bad Bunny take the title into WrestleMania right. and have them win the match. And then on Raw, if you want him to relinquish the title, on Raw after WrestleMania, you have him say, hey, guys, I got to go back on tour. It wouldn't be fair. I respect this business too much. I'm going to relinquish the 24-7 championship. That's all they had to do. Mm-hmm. Why not wait another month? Now, maybe it's because they have some 24-7 storyline plan for WrestleMania where they plan to use the stadium and the pirate ship and and they want to be able to use the title for that. So they had to do it before. I could see that. And I'm, I'm going to at least allow them to kind of prove to me that there was a reason why they did this. But is it stupid? Is it bad? Yes. Given everything else that we've been complaining about, is it something really to get worked up about? I'm just not going to. Sure. It's, it's, it's not worth it. Uh, Priest defeated Jackson Riker. He immediately hit him with the broken arrow and hit the lights for the win. It seemed to me like that's a way that you write someone off of television. I mean, he just squashed this guy. Uh, Bad Bunny stole a guitar from Elias, who was going to use it on him after a match, escaped a slam. He got a shot in. He he threw a punch at Elias. uh, And then Priest hit his finisher again. Morrison came down as a distraction. And Miz then grabbed the guitar and hit Bad Bunny with it. Production missed the shot live and the guitar didn't explode. So it was a really just bad segment that they did that. It was weak, but he did take the shot. So credit to him. But man, hitting Bad Bunny over the back with a guitar and having Priest maybe chase Morrison and Mizaway would have been the perfect built-in excuse for R-Truth to run down and win the 24-7 title clean. Mm. So why didn't you just do that? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe Bad Bunny doesn't want to be pinned. I I, I don't know. But yeah, no, that would have been, been perfect. That would have been perfect. I, honestly, I would have liked over the last couple of weeks to have some, some I guess, title defenses by Bad Bunny as well, um, you, you, just for the sake of doing it. But Well, again, he had Damian Priest with him, so he people did. came up. He did, you but know. I'm saying, like, have, make him look good. I mean, he blocked an Elias punch here and threw a punch back. I mean, surely you can have him defend a roll-up pin attempt and and do something else and have him get a couple more pins. But again, these are little things, but little things that you think 
could have made uh, a bit of a difference. For sure. Now, a couple more things here before we move on to our WWE Fastlane Ultimate Preview and projected WrestleMania 37 card. Street Profits and the Mysterios against the Dirty Dogs and Alpha Academy in an eight-man tag team match. It was actually an extremely fun match, I have to say. Uh, Ray had a hot tag and worked really well with Chad Gable, as expected. Robert Roode hit a great spine buster. The Mysterios hit a double 619 on Roode before Montez Ford hit the cash out for the win. Good thing that Ford got the win after last week's loss. I don't really have much to say about it, but it was a lot of fun and it was a good match. Yeah, SmackDown has done a good job over the last month or so building up tag teams. And so you get a situation like this where you have several of them involved and they all feel like they deserve to be there and they all get their shine. And yeah, it it, it did what it was supposed to do. And lastly here, Molly Holly has been announced as an inductee into the 2021 WWE Hall of Fame. They're going to be doing the 2020 and 2021 classes together on Tuesday of WrestleMania week. Uh, Really quick, Molly is one of the most underrated women's wrestlers of her era, two times women's champion. She was a hardcore champion. Mighty Molly was a damn good gimmick at the time. And she was even better after that gimmick when she was rallying against the divas, trying to stand up for women's wrestling. So we've seen her back a couple times in the Royal Rumble and she's looked really good in those matches. So, I mean, just huge honor and extremely well-deserved. I've always been a, not a huge fan of Molly Holly, but I've always really respected what she's done and how good of a wrestler she was in an era in which good women's wrestling didn't really matter to WWE. So credit to her. And this is an honor well-deserved. Yeah, good good for her. I'm curious if they'll add anybody else over the next week or so, a couple of weeks. But uh, yeah, not having the Hall of Fame was, was, set, was set certainly noticeable last year as well. So we'll see what happens. So with that, let's hop into the WWE Fastlane Ultimate Preview. Right now there are, let me see here, four or five, six matches set for the, I, I don't know, call it go-home pay-per-view, I guess, to WrestleMania 37. <laughs> and there's a chance that more get added to this card. I mean... There's certainly the possibility that we get something else from SmackDown. I did mention earlier in the show that Riddle and Mustafa Ali, they could have a rematch for the United States Championship at Fastlane. You do wonder what's going to happen with Riddle at WrestleMania. So, and the United States title really at WrestleMania. So on that, I don't exactly know what the plan will be for Fastlane, uh, but we talked about that already. So we'll skip that. We will talk about everything that happened on Raw and SmackDown leading into some of these matches as we roll through our ultimate preview. So let's start with the match that I think both of us want to get out of the way. At least that's my guess. Braun Strowman against Shane McMahon, which was officially announced for Fastlane at the end of Raw. So early on Raw, Strowman calls out Shane and says that he was bullied his entire life for people thinking he's stupid. Now, originally I would tell you that that's a ridiculous thing for a a monster like him to say, except if you actually watch the Braun Strowman documentary on WWE Network, I believe he did mention that he was bullied during his life, not so much for being stupid, but he was a chubby kid. He was a big kid. And and as he grew up and he started getting into muscle competitions and, and lifting, certainly things changed. So I don't think it's that crazy for him to note that he was bullied right. you know, throughout his life. And, and for a monster to say that people said think he's stupid, I'm I'm actually okay with like the general thesis of Strowman saying that. But that's the only like lone thing that I can say here. They went back and forth. Strowman challenged Shane on Raw. So Shane, after saying he doesn't bully other men, calls him stupid about a dozen times, 
So right in the face of that, he said he doesn't do it, then accepts the challenge. It was a horrible promo segment. No one wants to see this. It's totally lame. It felt to me like the entire thing was taped because they didn't trust them to actually get it right after the absolute <laughs> horrendous promo segment from last week. I believe it was taped. I want someone to tell me I'm wrong. That, I, that's my that's belief. A good, that's a good uh, idea. I didn't think of that. I, I guess the cuts I, were really sharp between both yeah. of them. And like, there wasn't a lot of empty space in between them talking it, and which was the exact opposite of last week. So if, to me, whether it was for Shane, whether it was for Braun or whether it was for both of their benefit, it felt it was taped. Anyway, so they have the match later in the show. The match never starts. Shane runs away from Braun, but Strowman catches him, says, hey, I'm not so stupid, right? He was able to outsmart him and beats the shit out of Shane. <laughs> then as he's beating the shit out of Shane, he decides to do the thing where he runs around the ring like a train and hammers someone. And Shane grabs a camera out of nowhere. The guy was standing behind him, drills Braun with it, <laughs> hits him with it four times, and then drops an elbow off the top rope through the announce table. And suddenly, Chris, they kind of have me. Yeah. Because even <laughs> though I hate this storyline and I don't want to see Braun Strowman and Shane McMahon at WrestleMania, I'm like, you know what? It was pretty smart the way Shane grabbed the camera. He was pretty brutal hitting Braun with the camera. And he does the top rope elbow drop, which is always a crowd pleaser. The crowd, even if a crowd would have booed the segment last week, they would have gone crazy at that. So they have me. And I'm like, yes, it's aggressive. Shane has proved he's smarter. I was going to get like over on this and let all the other shit slide. And then just as they have me and just as they have the Silver King thinking, hey, you know what? This might not be so bad after all. Shane lifts up the ring apron and pulls two buckets of green slime out from underneath the ring that just so happened to be there and he dumps them on Braun. What are we doing, Chris? Strowman can't cut a promo for shit. He sucks as a face. I have absolutely no interest in these guys continuing a feud. He's done as a main eventer in WWE and I've gone through almost all of my zero sound effects I only have one left, and you know what? It's the most appropriate. You can f*** yourself too. Yeah, go fuck yourself. Okay, so I disagree with quite a bit of what you said. Um, what do you it, disagree with? I disagree with that Strowman is a bad promo. I don't think he's a bad promo. I he's, think a he's a terrible, pretty promo. good promo. He he. It, it's kind of weird that the idea is that he's dumb when he like enunciates and art, articulates his words uh, incredibly well. Honestly, not what you expect from a big brute like that so here's the thing though what people it's it's almost like so, so they had you there for a minute it's almost like what people want from their wrestling show is wrestlers doing wrestling and fighting each other and remembering oh that's what this is about not it's it's not about shane stammering around for five minutes forgetting his lines i i i, I don't know if they taped that segment honestly i hope they did again after the previous week it's it's like there could be a good story here and they don't know how to tell it. And it, it, you could have just had like, yeah, Shane says he doesn't bully men and then he's bullying Braun Strowman. Yeah. That's the point. He's being the heel here. So like, you gotta have him like, it, 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 it's, it's almost like it's too late now, but you need to have Shane like 
teasing Braun, like needling him for a little bit. Then it's teasing. Then he's outright tricking him. And he's like legitimately bullying him, not just looking like himself like an idiot because he can't remember his lines. But yeah, when when they start fighting and then the camera shot comes up and it's like, boom, oh, holy crap. Yeah, I remember what this is like. I like watching Braun Strowman throw people around. I like watching Shane jump off the top rope and deliver right. an elbow. That's what I want to see. And that's what we'll get. And I'm sure the match will actually be fine uh, at, at Fastlane and if they, if they do it again. But this stuff with the, the slime, I don't get it. It's like they don't understand. This is this is often the case with women's storylines when they try to do teasing, bullying storylines. Is that like they don't know how to? They don't know what bullying like is. Like they especially they, in twenty twenty one. Yeah, they think yeah. like tricking Braun into like getting in a car is and leaving is bullying. Like. The slime like Shane should be Shane should be like bribing the people in the production truck. Yeah, so that when, yeah. So that when Braun Strowman makes his entrance uh, for a squash match, that there's stupid comments on the screen about him. Yeah, or, like, yeah, or he should exactly. jump on commentary and make fun of him during a match when the opposing person, the opponent, uh, takes his knee out. Oh, Braun, how can you be so stupid and let him do that? Yeah, like there's so many other ways to do this. And the basis of the idea of, like you said, Braun Strowman beating the shit out of Shane and Shane jumping off things and using weapons and getting color and all those types of things, the basis of this is fine. But the reality of the storyline that they're giving us is dog shit. It's it's terrible. It would be one thing if WWE had some relationship with like, Paramount and therefore Nickelodeon and they turned this into a kids match and it was was slime and and they, and they did something like this kind of like the NFL did with CBS for the Super Bowl and for I think it was the AFC Championship game or the NFL playoffs that was cool it was unique it was something that happened but it was you could separate it right from everything else that was going on it seems like that's what they're trying to do here but they don't actually have the relationship where it makes sense. There's not a, a kid who's going to team with Braun Strowman like Nicholas uh, for a tag team match at WrestleMania where you're going to have slime and do all this type of stuff. This was just pure stupidity and childishness and not what I want from wrestling in 2021. Not from the, not the owner of the company, but a McMahon and a monster. It's just ridiculous, dude. Yeah, also, I, I think Shane doesn't understand what a brain scan means because he, he he made the heart rate noise, like the the, the beeping right. when when uh, when he was trying to <laughs> explain what was going on in Braun's brain. Uh, he th That camera shot, though, that camera shot was brutal. He did it like four times. I'm surprised that they can do camera shots to the head and not chair shots to the head. Uh, <laughs> well, he they, had, use, they, they, they use a hand and they make it I, I know, I'm just, I mean, obviously it's not the exact same thing, but it was, I mean, they were just straight headshots and you don't see, you just, you don't see that very often. And so it made it especially brutal. So like, if we can just like cut out that part, you know, oh, that was really good and like keep that and kind of try to get rid of the other stuff and, and work around it. I think they can do something okay. I, I think the match will be good at Fastlane. It's been a mess of a build. I don't know what they're going to do afterward, but I think the match will be entertaining. Well, it's like this whole thing was like an Oreo where the cookies were shit and the cream <laughs> yeah. right in the middle was is the deliciousness. And we got the taste that hit our tongues. We're like, hey, this is good. Like this cream filling is solid. But oh, my God, these cookies suck. I, I, I love Oreos. So that's not the best example. But um, it, I just I, I couldn't I could not stand the stuff that surrounded 
the part of this that was actually good. As far as Fastlane, yeah, they're doing this match at Fastlane. My hope, Chris, beyond all hopes, is that they realized people loathe this feud, that it failed out of the gate last week, and they want to get this out of the way. And they just want to run it at Fastlane, end it, and move forward. My belief is that they're going to use this to build into a stipulation match at WrestleMania. So if that's the case, I'm going to assume that Shane somehow wins. Maybe he outsmarts him, gets a count out or disqualification or some shit like that. Shane wins this. Then they have a rematch at WrestleMania with a stipulation. If not, and this is the only match, then it has to be Braun Strowman. Yes. Um, so between those two options, I think I think Shane wins with some shenanigans and it leads us to a, uh, a stipulation match for WrestleMania. That's my pick. Now, the other kind of undercard out of nowhere match is Randy Orton versus Alexa Bliss. So on Raw, Bliss is swinging from her playground, telling Orton if he wants her out of his life, he should try and take her out at Fastlane. Now, she didn't say it was a match necessarily, right? But Orton later, uh, whoever the woman was on uh, backstage, basically said that she challenged him to a one-on-one match. Orton accepted. And then after Raw went off the air, they showed a graphic on social media of Randy Orton versus Alexa Bliss. So this is going to be an intergender one-on-one match on a pay-per-view. Uh, you know, there's nothing to really say about it because, look, I don't actually think they're going to wrestle more than 30 seconds, right? What I'll say is I love it. Um, I'm intrigued by it. I've liked the Bliss-Orton storyline that we've gotten over the last, I guess it's been two months or so since Orton burned The Fiend alive. I love that we've gotten separated from The Fiend for a period of time where we've allowed him to refresh in the background. Maybe he looks different. Maybe acts and sounds a little bit different. I don't know exactly what they're going to do, but my curiosity's peaked. I think the idea of Orton possibly RKOing Alexa Bliss is fantastic. Again, I don't think they're going to do that exactly, but I want to see what it looks like them in a ring lined up again across from each other. I assume this is where The Fiend returns. I don't know that we can really give a prediction. I guess my prediction is that The Fiend returns at Fastlane. Uh, I'm excited for it. I think this is pretty cool. Yeah, I, I think it's been entertaining. It's been weird, but they've gone all in on it. And and, and the, 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 the black goo coming out of Randy's mouth and Alexa doing these weird things. Yeah, it's exciting. A, a part of me hopes they start off the match with a straight lockup. <laughs> Just I know. Me too, yeah. I don't like Randy's going to have to like lean down to do it or something, but I, I don't know. Do, do, do they do cinematic match or do they do it like a, a, a world, a greatest match of all, whatever that was the greatest match of all time deal where it's like, where it's taped, but they also make it a regular match. Um, that's my guess it, where, where it's a taped match, but they yeah. have some stuff coming in and out. Uh, uh, so we'll see. I hope, um, I, I guess you're right. The Fiend will probably come back here. I, I, I hope he doesn't. I hope like they make it clear that he is going to come back, but we don't get him until like the go home or something to WrestleMania that he appears. That, oh, I don't like, know if they can wait that long. I, I'm, I'm just saying, I, like you know what? Schedule the match or whatever, but but Alexa just puts out the challenge on behalf of the Fiend, and Randy says the Fiend's not here. What are you talking about? And, He's coming, he's coming, he's coming, and 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 then and, and boom, he's I, again. This is like with the Omas thing, where I'm like, save the mystery as long as you can. But uh, I, I think you're right. I think that the fiend probably makes some sort of return here to set up uh, WrestleMania. I think you can still keep a lot of mystery, 
even if you have him show up, he can distract Randy. Leads to a countout. I mean, there's a million. No, no, do, do, do not do not have the fiend show up and it lead to a countout. Do not do do not Again, do that. Right, it's, it's got to be something. I'm just saying. Works. There's. I'm just yeah, saying. Yeah. I think there's a lot of the look. Look, we can crap on Raw, and I know some people don't like the fiend. Again, I always say this. I caution. I'll never convince you to like the fiend if you don't. You know, that's not the goal. Sure. What I'm telling you is, I like it. And yeah, me too. They have for all of Raw's faults, which are plenty, as you've heard on this entire show. One of the things they've done pretty well over the last few months is they've been extremely creative with The Fiend, Randy Orton, and Alexa Bliss. And I, this is the one area where I think they get the benefit of doubt from me, where it's like, I'm curious at what this is going to be. I'm excited to see it. And I ultimately ultimately think it's going to be good, whatever mm-hmm. it is. Yep, so, I totally agree. I totally agree. They just, Whatever they do, I think it'll be pretty good. All right, so four matches left on this card. Three of them are title matches. The Intercontinental Championship, Biggie against Apollo Crews. Let's first talk about what happened on SmackDown last week. Uh, Biggie walked out with crutches and braces, but as he walked to the ring, he ripped them all off and cut a promo on Apollo Crews saying that Crews went too far and can't fix this. So he's going to go biblical and Old Testament on his ass. Biggie said beating Crews won't be enough. He needs to end him. Cruz did not come out when challenged, so Biggie set an open challenge for a match. Chris, this was a main event level promo for Biggie. Fantastic. It was really the first time since the split from New Day, despite him being champion, despite him doing a great job as a singles wrestler. This was the first time where I really said, this guy is all everything that we want him to be. He can main event SummerSlam. If they keep the title on Roman Reigns or they put it back on Roman Reigns, Biggie can main event SummerSlam with this character. Yeah, no, I I, I totally agree. Great promo. I, I've loved this story, this feud. I, I don't think I was around last week or the week before when we talked about um, the accent uh, going back to it. I've I've heard a lot of different opinions on it. I've heard some Nigerian wrestling fans talk about it because initially when you when you see it, you know WWE going referencing something African, you kind of worry where they're going to go. I I, I Think I hope this was part of Apollo's idea. You know his 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 thoughts to do this uh, type of, of character. I think it works really well. He sounds intimidating. He sounds confident. This is an example where it's like it, it feels like they found found what works for him, and, and he, right. he feels comfortable in the spot. Just like when Roman turned heel and he's doing head of the table, he feels comfortable in what he's doing. So I I really like it. I'm really looking forward to this match. Love the promo from Biggie. The only thing I would have done was either this is nitpicking definitely it was great but either don't walk out and rip off the crutches and pads and all that stuff that he had on or do the promo with them to sell the injury because and rip them off as you're talking yeah like if he's if he's fine if he's like perfectly fine why is he all that mad? Or if or if he's going to power through all these injuries? Well, the guy because he wants still to steps this. on his head. I mean, yeah, right. So <laughs> that's why like he's mad. <laughs> either one of the right, but it's but it's like he seems like to be he seems fine. I'm just saying, like a little thing, like you said, rip it off while he's giving the promo. I think would have just been a little bit more that would have made it even better. It was great. Loved it. Love Biggie. Looking forward to this match. My pick. I, whoa, whoa, whoa! We got more to talk about. That's okay. Not, yeah, let's talk about we got this. Plenty, yeah, go ahead. We got plenty more to talk about, but I, yeah. I do want. I do want to say since you mentioned the Nigerian gimmick, so of people whose opinions I respect, which are certainly wrestling journalists who um, 
don't say things for shock value and are not just anti-WWE all the time where everything WWE does is bad. Um, Black fans, African-American fans, and African fans, Nigerian fans. From that group of people, I've seen nothing but universal praise from this. And as you know, on the show, I've told you, I love this gimmick. I think they are doing a fantastic job with Apollo Crews. The only people that seem to have an issue with it are people that seem to have an issue with everything WWE does. I think that the Nigerian gimmick with the Nigerian elite guard and yes, even the spear, I think that is, you know, you, you go watch like Coming to America and I know that Coming to America is not a historical document, right? But African royalty, that, that is something that is almost a representative symbol. It's not meant to, to denigrate or anything like that. And I think with Apollo Crews and this being a Nigerian gimmick, he's had, I don't know that he's had control over it, but I'm sure he has the ability to veto anything that he doesn't think would be appropriate, right? Um, I have zero issue with it. I actually love it. And as you said, I think that he has finally found something that is the true representation of him. As he may be learning the Nigerian, uh, not gimmick, accent again. Uh, is it something that he might've had when he was younger or that he's heard from his father and he's trying to find it? And maybe that why that's why it seems a little aggressive and he has to tone it down, maybe. But it's good and it feels legitimate and real to me. So I just don't have a problem with any of that type of stuff. I love the gimmick. I love this match. I love the build. And we'll talk about how they finished building this on SmackDown. Biggie had an open challenge. Um, King Corbin came out suited, ready to accept the challenge. When Sami Zayn interrupted and actually said the word accept first, <laughs> this was really smart. Yeah. Really unique and different, I think, from any open challenge that I can remember. The match was also good, Biggie against Sami Zayn, but I never believed for a second Biggie might lose. He literally ran through one of Zayn's clotheslines and hit the big ending for the win. After the match, Apollo Crews music hit, and Biggie strangely stared opposite the stage in a random corner as Crews ran into the ring from under the apron and hit Biggie with two angle slams and rammed him into the steel steps. Crews looked like a million bucks standing tall on top of the steps in the ring. The entire Big E triple segment, the promo, the stuff with Sami Zayn and King Corbin and Big E, the match, and then this aftermatch, post-match deal with Apollo Crews. All of this was a home run for me. Fantastic stuff. Yep. Th th this, is, this has been the best built intercontinental feud, I think, in quite a while. SmackDown's, done a, Smackdown's done a pretty good job with this, but the, this is exactly how you build a mid-card title feud and make it feel like the biggest thing in the world when it's happening. And, and as for my pick, I mean, it, it's it's so tough because there's a lot of matches on this card where you think they're going to do it at WrestleMania. So then, so so then, how is that going to play out on here? I'm gonna, I'm gonna say Apollo Cruz. I'm gonna say. Is it a cop out to say we get a we get a a, a, a Smaz finish? And, and no, I don't. Do I, I don't. I don't think it's a. I don't think it's a cop out to say that. But I mean, the the pick is really that Biggie retains his title. Is what you're trying to say? Yeah, Biggie retains, but he doesn't necessarily win. I, I, I guess if I had to pick one or the other, straight up winning, I'm actually going to pick Apollo Cruz. He's lost like three matches to Biggie. I think he needs something here. I think a loss. I think a straight up loss here would be really bad. So. Uh, I, whether or not Biggie wins, I think he retains. Yeah, it, it's strange. You think this match is going to happen at WrestleMania because there's really no other clear intercontinental title match on SmackDown. I mean, you can make one like Nakamura could challenge, right? Or Cesaro, if you don't do the Rollins feud. 
you could do a five-man match, a ladder match. There's a million different ways that you can put the Intercontinental title on the line at WrestleMania. But it seemed like this was the match. It seems like Big E should have been out another two weeks selling these injuries. Yeah. And then you do this storyline, maybe even starting this Friday on SmackDown. They don't have a match at Fastlane and you're continuing it over the ensuing three or four weeks. Tag team matches or interruptions, open challenges, things like that. So it is weird that this should not, this is the one match on this card. And yeah, the women's tag team match we'll talk about, but this is the one match I really think should not be on this card. It feels to me like they're giving away a WrestleMania match way too early for no reason. So yes, I'm going to, I'm not necessarily going to cop out on it. I do think Big E retains the title, but no, I don't think he beats Cruz clean because I have to assume this is going to be the Mania match. And I don't see how they can go back to it again if Big E beats Apollo Cruz for like the fourth time. Right. It, it wouldn't really make sense. So whether Cruz wins or not, whether it's DQ or the Nigerian elite guard gets involved or whatever, I do think this match ends with Big E retaining and they add a stipulation match for WrestleMania. So let's move on to the women's tag team championships. Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler defending against Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair. So we got a lot of stuff to talk about from SmackDown before we get to the match on the pay-per-view. Some of it, good. Some of it, Silver King rant forthcoming. Uh, Nia Jax took Reginald on a shopping spree. There was cheesy music as he tried on outfits and Shayna Baszler acted like a bored husband. She was the best part of the entire thing, but this was good. Reginald asked how he could repay Jax. This was very much in the Otis Mandy Rose, (laughs) tongue-in-cheek, corny, you know, 80s movie style type of deal. But I thought it was really funny. Uh, Then there was a KO show with Banks and Belair as the guests. Kevin Owens tried to set up their storyline and somehow they start talking about Reginald again (laughs) for no reason. Uh, failed the Bejdel test right off the bat. Banks said she paved the road for, for Belair, who said she's paving her own lane. Banks said she would take care of them winning the tag team titles. Belair didn't need to do anything. And they finally, I thought, had a pretty good battle on the mic. Six weeks now after Belair won the Royal Rumble, they were great jawing at each other after and later backstage as well. So the KO show and the Reginald stuff uh, on the KO show, them talking about him, zero. The shopping spree, hero. And the promo work, I'll give a hero. I thought, you know, we'll get into the matches and what happened later in the show, but this was largely good. Yeah, it was better than what it had been. The idea of this match happening is a whole separate issue, but for what this was, Kevin Owens stayed out of the way. You know, there was a little bit of Reginald stuff. Sometimes you worry about the storyline about two women revolving around a man, but I think this was a step forward from what it had been in the past couple of weeks. So that was that. Now we're going to talk about the match. Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair against Natalia and Tamina. So Reginald caused a missed fall and then distracted Banks as Natalia popped her off the apron, leaving Tamina to roll up Belair for the win. Belair screamed at Banks for entertaining, quote unquote, Reggie, blaming her for the loss. Reginald stood in the ring, really smug, blowing a kiss to Banks as the four heels all watched together. Belair being pinned in the ring in any situation before WrestleMania is patently ridiculous and awful booking. There is no reason to pin your Royal Rumble winner before WrestleMania. Backstage, they were still talking about Reginald, Banks and Belair. Banks blamed Belair for taking the L and called her a rookie. That was pretty strong. All the talking between them was strong, despite the subject matter still being Reginald. Reginald later convinced Jax to challenge Banks for the SmackDown Women's Championship, 
So that match is now happening this upcoming week on SmackDown. So as much as I liked the talking and as much as I liked the vignette of Reginald going shopping with Nia Jax, why the hell is Reginald the glue for a (laughs) WrestleMania storyline involving two of the best women's wrestlers in America? Why is fucking Reginald a random dude, the catalyst for Banks and Belair to dislike each other when they should be having a healthy rivalry based on skill, ability, talent. One of them, even though their ages are actually close, one of them being the veteran who set off the road to WrestleMania, the other one paving her own lane. They set it on the show. This may still work in the end because it's Banks and Belair. But holy shit, this is mind-numbingly stupid and more importantly, just like a lot of the raw storytelling, insulting to me as a viewer. Yep, and this gets back to what we didn't have as much in the Kevin Owens segment, which was an entire story about uh, between women and revolving around a man. A man, by the way, who came from Carmella, who is not any part of this. It's just... Who has no so, reason to be involved It's so all. convoluted. This is an example of making things more difficult than they, they need to be. You have two amazing uh, individual women, and why are they even in this tag match? Like, we just did the... It, it, it's like... I don't know why they're so obsessed with having women's champions in the tag feuds. We had this with Sasha Bailey. We had this with Asuka and Charlotte. Now we've got it here. Like, let the tag team do its own thing. I don't know why we have to involve all of them in this. And it's just like, I no, nobody thinks Sasha and, and Bianca are going to win this. And they've already taken a loss here. So it's like, if they, they win this match, a, if they win this match, I'm going to lose my mind. <laughs> I if mean, they win the gonna, titles, I mean, I'm going to lose I my. Mean, I, I mean, I, 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 my pick is um, Sasha gets pinned because Bianca got pinned last time, and and, and that's how that works. So, like, but, like Nia Jax just pinned Sasha Banks, and I think she pinned Asuka like over the last six weeks. Now you're having Nia Jax against Sasha Banks on SmackDown for the title, which you have to, I guess, assume Banks wins or there's a DQ. And now you have this match where you can't change the titles. So you have to have Banks and Belair lose again, which means Banks or Belair has to get pinned or submitted or something has to happen with Reginald being involved again. It is just mind numbing. Yeah, they've made this so incredibly complicated when they didn't need to. And now we get a fast lane match out of it that shouldn't be happening. I, I just hate this. I mean, I actually think the match might be okay, but look, Nia Jax, Shayna Baszler retain. Reginald splits up Belair and Banks who have no reason to be together in the first place. And we move forward to WrestleMania. Hopefully the next four weeks of build between Banks and Belair is far better than it has been. And hopefully Reginald is not involved. Let's keep Reginald away from this feud. Okay, two more matches. The two main events really. Uh, Drew McIntyre and Sheamus. Now, obviously we spent a lot of time talking about these guys in our main event segment on the show because I felt like we had to discuss all of that convoluted booking early in the show. As far as this match actually goes, I don't really know what we need to say. It's not a number one contendership. There was no stipulation amount announced for the match. Despite them running into each other with steel steps and that being a no contest, it would seem like this should have had some type of stipulation. We were anticipating a last man standing match, which would have made sense. Made sense. I'm glad they're not doing it because I hate last man standing matches. This is going to be a great match because the first two have been great matches. This is going to be big meaty men slapping meat. 
because these are two big meaty men who like to slap meat. So it's going to rule. It's going to be a great match. McIntyre obviously must win. So it's almost like, why are you even doing this match when you know he's going to be the number one contender for the WWE Championship at WrestleMania? So that's it. That's all I really have to say. McIntyre wins. Yeah, that's it. I I, I hope this this should open the show. I think it'll be a, a, a great, exciting match to open the show with no stakes. I assume we'll get Bobby Lashley, maybe a beatdown at the end. I, I don't know. But yeah, this is strange. Not a number one contender. It's just a match. It'll be great, but it'll mean nothing. Indeed. Now the main event. A match that we thought we might get at WrestleMania, and we've been looking forward to for a long time. But it's at Fastlane, four weeks before WrestleMania. Roman Reigns against Daniel Bryan. Now, there's a lot to talk about from SmackDown here. So bear with us. We'll talk about it in some parts. So Edge opened the show in the ring, passionately saying Reigns begged to be his WrestleMania pick, only to turn his attention to Bryan, which is true. Edge put over how hard he worked in his career to counter Bryan's part-time comments. Bryan interrupted, saying Edge, as the ultimate opportunist, should respect him for going into business for himself because he respects Edge's intelligence and passion. Brian said Edge already has his WrestleMania spot set, so Brian pushing for a spot doesn't really affect him. It shouldn't matter. Edge said he respects Brian, but Reigns was his target. He already chose him. This is a really shitty move on Brian's part, and Brian is not any better than he is. I thought it was a really strong opening segment and a huge tease. Do you have anything to say about this before we move forward? Not yet. I'll wait, okay. until I, I'll wait until the end before I say one. Okay, so let me keep going. So Paul Heyman told Jey Uso backstage that Reigns was angry after he tapped out to Brian last week. So Jay said he'd come back later. Edge later stopped Jay backstage, asked him how he felt being treated like a second-class citizen. Jay listened for a bit, thought, oh, maybe he might turn a little bit. But ultimately, he backed up Roman and said, worry about yourself. So the end of the show, the main event segment was a contract signing, which somehow Roman Reigns and contract signings are great. Like contract yeah. signings are some of the most overused things. And I'm sure we're going to get one at some point with Drew McIntyre and Bobby Lashley. But Roman Reigns contract signings have been pretty damn good. Reigns said he wasn't really feeling the match and refused to <laughs> sign the contract, which I thought was kind of funny. Like normally I'd criticize it, but it, it worked for some reason. Uh, Brian said Reigns must be afraid because Brian made Jay quit when Reigns could not, which is fantastic yeah, yeah. long-term storytelling yeah. and booking. Brain, Brian then went on a rant uh, and pissed Reigns off so much that Roman signed the contract and Brian promised he would tap Reigns out. Jay threw the table out of the ring. And by the way, what are these tables made of? Because <laughs> like, I can't just throw a table. I'm not like weak, but I'm not strong. I couldn't just with one hand throw a table out of a ring. These have to be made of like nothing. Anyway, he throws the table out of the ring and demanded out of nowhere to be the special guest enforcer for the match. And I'm sitting there thinking like, man, if Adam Pierce just caves and lets this happen, that's really shitty booking. Well, that's not what happened. Edge's music hit. He comes out and says he wants to fight Jay Uso to be the special enforcer for this match at Fastlane. And they're going to have that match on the go home show of SmackDown this coming Friday. So we're not going to be able to talk about it. But this was a tremendous contract signing segment, Chris. I'll pause here now, let you get the first word, because I basically told you already how much I loved it. Roman Reigns' contract signings are great because of all the little trash talking they can do, and you can hear it. The nuances, yeah. Yeah, normally you can't with a crowd and sometimes, and, and 
the way the things just Roman says and, and Dan and Brian played off him great. This was so much fun. The promo with Edge earlier in the show leads me to believe I am 95% there now that we are going to get a triple threat match at WrestleMania. Dude, I had this pegged. You got, you got to you, you had this pegged. You, you had this pegged. And I wasn't sure. And I don't even think WWE knew I don't at think the they time, knew to I be agree. fair. But Daniel Bryan, because he's so damn good at what he does, gets himself into these situations and pushes his way up the ladder because he knows it's what the people want. And he sells it to the fans. He sells it to the people backstage. And he sells it to himself. And I'm fired up for this match of Fastlane. I'm fired up what's going to happen next. This was this was one of the best segments in, in quite a while on WWE. He is hitting on all cylinders. All three of these guys are doing a great job. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking forward to the, the Edge-Jey Uso match. Jay's been great, too. Like, everything Roman has done over the last, what are we going on? Six six months now, almost almost since he came back. It's 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 so good. It hasn't lost any luster. Dan O'Brien being thrown into it is great. I'm ninety five percent there. I think we're going to get the triple threat at WrestleMania because Dan O'Brien's going to make it happen. So I didn't even finish, and that was my fault. I let you talk before I finished. I didn't even finish what happened to end the show because I the last thing I basically said is it was a great contract signing segment. What happened after the contract signing is why you're 95% there and why I'm 100% there that we're going triple threat. All four guys brawled. Edge pulled Brian off reins. So Brian hit him with the running knee. I have zero doubt after I saw that, that they're doing the triple threat at WrestleMania. You do not build the storyline like this and have Brian hit Edge with his finisher without a pay-per-view in between where they can fight and then go with a ring enforcer for a championship match if you're not going to have all three men collide at WrestleMania. Now, arguments can be made about whether this is the right booking. Maybe you think it should be Reigns and Bryan, like I have thought it should have been for months now. Maybe you think it should be Reigns and Edge and going triple threat is too much. But I've been saying since 2020 that Ryan's versus Bryan should be the match. And we're going to get, it seems, at least a version of that. It may not be the formula I personally wanted, but they still did a great job building the formula that they wanted. This ruled really freaking hard. Now, as far as who's going to be the special enforcer, because chances are we're not going to do a bonus show Friday night, it can actually go two ways. I think the expectation is that Edge is the enforcer. And you have him at ringside and he's the one causing problems, or he does something where Brian loses, which gives Brian an excuse and gives him a reason to be in a triple threat match. The other thing you can do is have Jey Uso win this via disqualification somehow, maybe because of Daniel Bryan. And Uso ends up being the special enforcer at ringside. And Edge comes down at some point during the match to attack Uso, which ends up leading to a tag team match on SmackDown in one of these ensuing four weeks before WrestleMania. But it also costs Daniel Bryan the match. And Therefore, you have a reason for Brian to be inserted into a triple threat match at WrestleMania, no matter how it goes down. And I guess I'll predict. I'll predict Edge being the enforcer, even though I really do think it could go either way, no matter how this goes down, it's going to be excellent. And no matter how it goes down, Roman Reigns is going to retain the title at Fastlane. Yes, I'm going to pick Jey Uso to be the enforcer. All the Edge reasons make sense. But it's just it feels like it's more of a heel thing to do. Agreed. Uh, and, and, and Edge will certainly be involved. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how this ends. It, it, is it 
Does Dan O'Brien lose because of Edge, and then later on he's going to beat Edge to get into the match? We we all know Roman's going to win or at least retain here, but how does Brian then get into into the match. that WrestleMania match? Right. I, I'm. It it's tough because he's already had several of these. Hey, beat somebody and you get a number one contender match. He won the Elimination Chamber, then he to get a match. Then he beat Jey Uso to get a match. Is he going to do that a third time, or are we going to get a no finish here? You know, if, if Fastlane goes off with a non-finish, normally we'd be really upset about that. But again, I think we trust SmackDown to get this part right. Yeah. So I'm not sure how this ends. I mean, we we know Roman's we know Roman's going to win. I'm just not sure how, or I mean, he's going to retain. I mean, I'm just not sure how Brian's going to come out of this. And I'm you also fascinated. To, I'm fascinated to find out. You also have to be really careful if you're WWE because. You don't want to turn Edge into a tweener. Brian could probably be in that role. Because he's because if they listen, if they do a triple threat at Mania, Brian's taking the fall. He's not going to win the yeah. title, right? Yes. So so Edge will probably beat Brian and then Roman Reigns will win the title back from Edge a couple months down the line. If they if that's the direction they go with a triple threat. But yeah, the question is how do you get him into the WrestleMania match? And I don't know that answer. Maybe it's Roman Reigns and Paul kind of think it'll be easier if they do that, or they do it to get stick into Edge's craw. I don't know, but not knowing is the best part of this entire thing. I yes. mean, it's wild. We're talking about how excited we are for Roman Reigns, Daniel Bryan, how excited we are for Roman Reigns, Edge, Edge against Jey Uso. Everything that's happening here is extremely exciting and entertaining. Think back five years ago. It would be wild. You would lose your mind if five years ago, when these guys were both medically retired, I would tell you, Edge and Daniel Bryan may fight Roman Reigns in the main event of WrestleMania in front of a crowd that hasn't been to a WWE event in a calendar year due to a pandemic. Five years ago, if I told you that, you would lose your freaking mind. You'd say, what the hell happened where Edge gets cleared, Daniel Bryan gets cleared. We have a pandemic, and and this is what yep. we're doing at WrestleMania. Yeah, most of my questions would have been about the, the pandemic. pandemic. But, I know, but yes, I understand. But yes, I was just kind of trying to build it up. <laughs> yeah, a little no, bit no, more. no. Yeah, no. It's it's a great story for for both of them, and that that's the thing about Daniel Bryan inserting himself into this is that he's telling a great story. He's saying, I think he said this even a few months back, like. Going into the going into the rumble, this could be my last mania. This could be my last mania. I need to get there. I need to get there. And Edge is Edge is being the tweener here. I, I think, and I think it's okay if Edge is the tweener and wins, because I think everybody understands where Brian is in his career. I don't think there's going to be fan riots if if Edge pins Brian or even if Roman pins Ryan, because we love everybody involved in this right now. So it is different compared to the last time Brian was in this situation. Uh, but He's telling a great story to get in here. Edge is kind of dismissing him a bit. And it just makes for a fascinating dynamic with all three of these guys. It does. I, I am, you know, I may not be hugely excited for Fastlane as a pay-per-view, but I am massively excited for this match and storyline. I'm excited for SmackDown on Friday, and I'm excited to see where this goes. Now, I don't know whether we will or will not have an additional show this week. Um, there's a chance I get an interview, so I may do a special Friday show, but that will remain to be seen. You know, normally I say, I don't know whether we'll do it. And ultimately we don't, but either way, we will have a instant analysis of WWE Fastlane Sunday night, as soon as the pay-per-view 
goes off the air. Now, on that instant analysis, we usually give pre and post-show grades. But what I'm realizing, Chris, we should probably give our pre-show grades during our ultimate preview, our expectation for the show. And we'll keep the same grade going into our instant analysis. So very quick, my pre-show grade is a B. I do not expect this to be a great pay-per-view, but Roman Reigns, Daniel Bryan, Drew McIntyre and Sheamus, Biggie and Apollo Crews, and the curiosity I have with Randy Orton and Alexa Bliss, that alone gets me in like a an A minus B plus range. And then you certainly bring it down with Strowman and you, and you bring it down with the convoluted women's tag team title match. But I'm going in with a flat B. Right. I'm I'm in that B I'm in that B plus because I think there'll be stuff that'll be really good and then stuff that'll be really bad. And and okay. we haven't gotten a lot of that with these WWs. Usually everything's been pretty good. I think this is going to be one where we have some really great stuff and some really not great stuff. Okay, so with all of that out of the way, as promised, let's run down our projected WrestleMania 37 cards. We'll kind of go title by title, match by match, work our way down. You can, you know, tell me where you disagree, where you agree. I don't think this will be a long segment, but it's, you know, I, I thought it would. I thought it would be a long segment before they just announced a bunch of matches yeah. on Monday night. Yeah. So now I think it's going to be much shorter. But Universal Championship, we know it's going to be Roman Reigns versus Edge. Right now, Chris, I am fully expecting. Like I'm with you, 95%. Uh, Daniel Bryan to be added to this match, and it be a triple threat in the main event of night two. Yep, I, I, I'm. At, you said 100%, so I'm at 95. So there's still, well, a, there's still a chance. Vince, I could, should be at 95. I'm, Vince, I'm downgrading myself to 95. <laughs> Vince could always do a, a Vince thing, but yeah, Roman Edge, Daniel Bryan should be the second night final match of of WrestleMania, and I'm incredibly excited if that happens. And then we have the WWE Championship match. Bobby Lashley, we now know, will defend against Drew McIntyre. There's not anything really to talk about that. We already explained how we wish the storyline build was a little bit better, but it is the match that everyone wants, and it's going to be a great match, so that's good. The SmackDown Women's Championship match is also known. Sasha Banks against Bianca Belair. And again, similar storyline build, not great, but it's the Royal Rumble winner. Makes total sense. We know the match is going to happen. Raw Women's Championship is something that we don't know at this time. So, Chris, I'll kind of let you get first shot. What do you expect the Raw Women's Championship match to be at WrestleMania? I think they end up sticking with Asuka versus Charlotte. Um, As much as I love the Shayna stuff we got this week, I I think it's uh, short term and we, we, we still take ourselves to Asuka versus Charlotte. I think so too. I mean, I would love the idea of Rhea Ripley showing up Monday, beating Charlotte in a singles match and earning the number one contendership against Asuka or something like that. I also think there's a scenario where we could legitimately have a multi-woman match or a gauntlet match or a two-week tournament to determine a number one contender, considering you did have last week Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke uh, talk about that they should get an opportunity. You had Peyton Royce's promo. Obviously, Charlotte Flair, that's four women. You add in Rhea Ripley or Naomi or one other additional person, and you have a tournament that I think you can run pretty well. Um, I just don't really know that they're ultimately going to do it. And I have to believe that when push comes to shove, it's going to be Oscar and Charlotte Flair. I think it's possible Rhea Ripley comes in here. If she'll have to debut by next Monday, uh, to do that, if if not, no. Nah. I mean, I I think I think there should be a, a a women's battle royal. I think there should be an Andre the Giant battle royal too. Um, I don't know if they will. See, I don't know. I don't know if you go back to. I mean, the Andre the Giant's no brainer because there's so many extra men. But 
if you have a multi, and we'll talk about the women's tag team. Actually, let's talk about the women's tag team titles now. Sure. Because I think this plays into it. You have Jax and Baszler, and you wonder who are they going to compete against? Because the assumption is that they're going to retain the titles. What I have is a fatal four-way women's tag team title match. I have so Jax and Baszler so against Natalia and Tamina, the Sexy Muscle Friends, and Riot Squad. Are those the same teams? I had Lana and Naomi in instead, instead of, of instead of Tamina uh, and Natalia. Well, I think Tamina and Natalia. I mean, they've won like three matches in a row. So. Yeah, you're you're probably right. That's it, 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 I mean, we both have Fatal Four Way, and yours probably makes more sense. If anyone gets taken out, I think it's the Riot Squad. Now, if it's a one on one match, then I do think we get the Women's Battle Royal because there's probably enough extra women plus some NXT women where you can make it happen because um, you want all these other women involved, Lana, Naomi, all these people, but. If they don't do that, or if maybe they just do a triple threat, Jackson Baszler, Natalia, Tamina, sexy muscle friends who are, it seems like getting built up on the raw side of things, then you think about, okay, maybe you can have a multi-women's match for the raw women's championship. But if you don't, then it kind of reduces the quantity of women that you have to choose from. So the women's picture is really messy because the raw women's championship picture is really messy. Yep. Yep. So. But I do expect it to be multi-women. I don't think it's going to be one tag team versus another tag team. Yeah, no, I, I, I hope, I mean, I hope it's one to get everybody involved because there, there are, they are slowly working toward developing several solid tag teams. And so this would be a good way to emphasize that. Okay, now let's go with the rest of the titles here. Intercontinental Championship. Again, I just don't know what they do. Biggie against Apollo Crews seems to be the only real option a false count anywhere match, no disqualification match, some type of stipulation added to this. It's the only way I see them going. A lot of the other singles men on SmackDown are busy, either in the tag team feud, like they've they've linked up and they're in the tag team feud. There are some other people on the show. I mean, Aleister Black doesn't exist in this world right now. We don't see him. We do expect something different with Cesaro and Rollins. I think there's a chance that maybe it's Nakamura Kalisto, it seems, is another person that they keep showing on TV, but they aren't doing anything with him. But I don't see a Biggie Kalisto feud being a WrestleMania feud. And there's really, aside from a Sami Zayn or a King Corbin, both of whom have had plenty of intercontinental title matches, I don't know who else really makes a lot of sense. So I go Biggie Apollo Crews in a stipulation match. Yeah, so it's, I think it's either that or I, or I think it's still possible they do something like bring back the... Um the intercontinental ladder match where it's like six guys. I think you could have a handful of guys in there that would work. I don't, I wouldn't prefer that. I prefer Biggie Apollo because I think it's got such heat, but I, I, I think it's possible they make it a multi-man, like five, six man ladder match with a lot of those guys. If not, you know, again, you can have an Andre the Giant battle Royal and throw all those guys in there. Now, a similar situation on Raw. You have the United States Championship. Riddle has the title. Whether Mustafa Ali gets a shot at Fastlane, we don't know. Whether the title changes, we don't know. But I can't imagine them going with Ali at WrestleMania. Not that I don't want him there. I love Riddle versus Ali at WrestleMania with a full-fledged storyline. It just doesn't seem like they're going with that. Now, I do think that's an option. Other options, though, they're weird. Like Jeff Hardy. He, where's, where the hell has Jeff Hardy been, right? Um, Ricochet. Where the hell's Ricochet been? He hasn't... This guy is, again, someone who hasn't existed in forever. You could take, now that they lost the tag team titles, Shelton Benjamin or Shel uh, Cedric Alexander and give them the opportunity. Andrade, it would be shocking if, you know, we just talked about him requesting his release. They brought him back and had a match like this. A lot of other guys 
Miz, Morrison, and Damian Priest we expect to be in different matches. So right now, I just don't see it being Ali. I'm going to guess that they flipped things. Ali was an interim feud. I think Keith Lee comes back Monday. I should say I hope Keith Lee comes back Monday. And I would love to see them build to Riddle versus Keith Lee at WrestleMania. Yeah, this is the toughest one. I don't know who he's going to fight unless you do unless you flip the idea, like I said, with the ladder match of some kind and have like a multi-man thing there and throw in several random people into it as they've done for the Intercontinental belts. The only other option is, yeah, if, if Keith Lee is available and he's able to show up, and I sure hope so because he's awesome and we think he maybe was going to have the spot anyway. Uh, we don't know what's going on. So if Keith Lee shows up, that's what's happening, I think, too. For sure. Now, Raw Tag Team Championship. Also announced on Monday, New Day versus AJ Styles and Omos. Again, something we never would have predicted uh, necessarily, but that is the Raw tag team match. Uh, SmackDown tag team match. Dirty Dogs are champions. You kind of forget that they're champions because they're basically just involved in all these random little feuds with tag teams while they try to sort this out. Now, it seems like they've been making a storyline out of the Street Profits not getting their rematch. But again, rematches haven't been mandatory in like two years. So I don't know why that's a storyline, but... That seems to be the major storyline, but Alpha Academy and the Mysterios are heavily involved in this feud as well. I ultimately think it's going to be Dirty Dogs versus Street Profits one-on-one, but I would not be surprised if they do a fatal four-way tag team match using all four of these teams. Right. My my choice was the fatal four-way because you have it on two nights. It doesn't feel as repetitive as having two in the same show. Uh I've loved Alpha Academy. I, I mean, I love that they've worked up to the spot. I really enjoy them in the ring. I enjoy their, their promos. Uh, but clearly the Profits are, you know, the top dogs, really. And they should, whoever is involved, they should be in that title match. Um, so, yeah, I've got the four away with those teams you mentioned. So that's nine matches. Those are all the titles. Now let's talk about some of the other matches we expect on the show. Look, we're going to get Randy Orton against the Fiend Bray Wyatt somehow. I'm thinking it's going to be in a Firefly Funhouse match. Yeah, I think it's got to be, and I hope it is, and I think it'd be great. And even well, if it's not... La- la- last year's Firefly Funhouse match was the, like, the biggest thing. Like, that's the biggest takeaway when I think about that WrestleMania. That is the moment I think about... Obviously, it was a unique situation because of the performance center and all that, but e- e- that was such a new thing that was so cool, and I've rewatched it a bunch of times. I hope they do it again because then they go great. Yeah, I mean, there, you can, there's something to be said for like being repetitive, but this really makes sense. I mean, they have a long-term storyline between Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton where this totally plays into it. So I would love them to do a Firefly Funhouse match again. If they don't exactly do that, it will be something very similar and cinematic. I don't think it'll be on the horror side. I think it'll be more on the psychological side. I think that's going to be key. I also think we're going to get... I think it's pretty obvious, Seth Rollins against Cesaro. And I do think we'll get a stipulation match, but I think it'll be something that takes wrestling skill into account, whether it's like a 30-man Ironman or whether it's a best two of three falls. I do expect them to go in some type of direction like that for Rollins-Cesaro. That's a good point. I'm not sure about the stipulation, but uh, I think something like that could be cool. I also think it's pretty clear we're going to get Damian Priest and Bad Bunny against Miz and Morrison. Would you agree? Yes, which we thought for a while and kind of took a weird route to get there, but we're there. Okay, and then Braun Strowman against Shane McMahon. I mean, it just seems like, even though it's booked for Fastlane, I mean, I hope that it's over at Fastlane. 
and they don't put it on WrestleMania. But it kind of seems like they're going to give us something, a cage match, a Hell in a Cell, something where Shane won't be able to escape and it'll be crazy. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I'm cool with seeing Braun throw Shane around and Shane jump off of stuff and hit him with cameras. So match itself should be fine. I, I think we'll get it at WrestleMania again with perhaps some sort of uh, stipulation. Maybe this will be the false count anywhere. Wasn't there, didn't Shane McMahon have a false count anywhere match with the Miz at WrestleMania? He, or am I remembering that wrong? I think it was false count anywhere. He, I mean, it was, it was, it was whatever that New York WrestleMania was when he fell off the, the stage the, thing, the stage. Oh yeah. Cause he fell off the, he suplexed him off the stage. Miz suplexed him off the stage and got pinned, right? That's what happened in Shane. One of them got pinned. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if they go back to false count anywhere with these guys. I think that would be a pretty damn cool, you know, way to do it. And then, you know, that's, I think those are the only obvious matches. You may get the Royal Rumbles. The only thing I think they might possibly be building is Kevin Owens against Sami Zayn in a singles match. You got to get Kevin Owens on this card. I don't know how you leave him off. And, you know, the documentary storyline of maybe him pretending to help Sammy and then turning his back on him, trashing the tapes. I don't know, something like that. I think that would make a lot of sense. Other than that, and I don't know if you even agree with that. I don't have anything else that's standing out to me as obvious. Yeah, I don't see Kevin Owens versus Zayn right now. I, I mean, I do think, though, that they're going to make this two very long nights. I think because it's the first one with, with everybody, they're going to go long. They're going to go long two nights. So if they throw on some random matches that don't feel like maybe WrestleMania matches, I, I certainly think that's possible. I think they're going to try to give everybody absolutely everything they can now, now that they have this rare situation with fans. So I, it's certainly possible we could get more. That's one reason I think about a Royal is possible because it's, it's just it'll fill up more time and do some more stuff. So uh, I, I definitely think there's more possibilities. I'm, honestly, I, I, I wrote down an Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal and Mustafa Ali wins. I think that's a great springboard event for, for somebody. And I think a guy like him would be someone cool to win it if they do it. I can see something like that. I mean, I don't know that they do two battle royals, but I do think that one makes a lot of sense for all the men's wrestlers who we've talked about that aren't involved. They do need a pre-show match for both nights. Maybe they do one men's, one women's. Hell, maybe they do something really unique. I'd love to see like a pre-show gauntlet match where a person, like let's say Big E defends the, the IC title on day one. They have a pre-show gauntlet match on day two with the winner facing Big E later in that show. Like I'd love for them to get really, really creative and do some stuff like that. But based on all the matches that we discussed, that's 13. I don't know that I agree with you that these cards are going to be massive. I don't think we get more than 16 matches. And 16 matches is, I think, recently what was on a WrestleMania card for one night. Where there, like, there, 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 16 for 30 for 35 in New York. Yeah, although, where it went although, like five and a, five four, and a half, six hours, yeah, including the pre-show. Those, yeah, four of those were pre-show matches, but it had the one where Becky Lynch won. There were 16 matches on that card. Right. It was an endless card. So I think they probably go with 16 matches again, but they split it up this time. Uh, yeah. You know, seven on night one and, and nine on night two or something like that. I don't know exactly how they're going to do it. I also don't know how they're going to split up the matches. I do think that's a conversation we can have, you know, maybe this upcoming week or the week after. How would you book the card? What matches, at least out of the 13 that we've already talked about, would you put on each night and how would you book around it? And by the way, the other thing I should note, and 
this is something that I don't think should be put past WWE. We talked a lot about a triple threat. Roman Reigns, Edge, Daniel Bryan. I want to circle back to this for a second. You know, New Japan, when they do the two-night Wrestle Kingdoms, which they've, they've done the last couple of years, they've had two IWGP Heavyweight Championship matches. Another option, instead of doing a triple threat, could be Reigns, Bryan on night one and Reigns, Edge on night two. I don't think so. I think they're going to treat... I, I I know a lot of people have talked about that for a while. I know Wrestle Kingdom does that. I don't think they're going to do that. I think I think they like to tell one story. I don't think they want. They, I don't think they would do stuff like that. I know they did it at Elimination Chamber as kind of a one-off, but I, I I don't hate the idea. Honestly, I'd rather just have the one match that they build to them, and I think that's how they'll do it. I just I, I would like them to get creative in terms of how they book the two nights. Like, I would love to see number one contenderships or, like I said, something fun like a gauntlet match or a ladder match or things that happen where, and I know I criticized AEW uh, Revolution for having two number one contenderships on the show. I thought that was really weird to have both on a pay-per-view, but I wouldn't mind one. And if they wanted to do like a number one contendership for the IC title with Sami Zayn, Baron Corbin, Kevin Owens, Shinsuke Nakamura, for example. That would be a great match to have on night one. And then you, you know, that person is the number one contender for SmackDown the following Friday uh, after Big E potentially retains his title. So I don't know how that's all going to shake out, but I do hope that WWE gets creative in using the two night formula to their advantage and doesn't just book 16 matches and put eight on each show. Because right now that's how it seems it's going to go. Yeah, no, they could. I mean, it's also notable that I think the, the future WrestleManias they announced uh, were not multi-day. I mean, I guess it's Correct. possible they change, but they specifically announced this one for multi-day and the future ones were not. So I don't know if if um, it's, it's in the plans or not. Well, WrestleMania is still a month away, but this weekend is WWE Fastlane, which means there's a lot more to come from the Getting Over Wrestling podcast before the week is out. We will be back Thursday with a full breakdown, as always, of NXT and AEW. And we will be back Sunday, immediately after WWE Fastlane goes off the air with instant analysis of that show. I hope you all join us. I hope you all follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast. That way you can vote in our pre- and post-show polls. You can follow us throughout wrestling every single week. Uh, You know, I love that you guys follow us and tweet at us and give us your thoughts. Sometimes they make them on the show. Guys, questions make it on the show better than just comments. Uh, But nevertheless, you know, I love the interaction with you guys all week long. And I hope that you do follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast. Also, don't forget, head on over to Manscaped.com. Enter promo code GOMAN for 20% off plus free shipping. We need your support there. It will help the Getting Over Wrestling podcast if we get a few of those sold. All of a sudden, you may have a long-term sponsor here, and that is the ultimate goal. Also, do not forget to head on over to Apple Podcasts, drop a five-star rating and review to let us know how much you love this damn show. That's it. It was a long show. As I promised, we're going to get out of here. No Macho Man today. He's get, getting a uh, elongated break from this podcast. He will be back soon. So for Vintage Chris Manini, this is the Silver King Adam Sanders. And I'm going to leave you with three final words. Bye for now. <laughs>